Hey boomers, welcome to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly definitive chronicle of the alternate history of Sonic the Hedgehog and what it was like to be a kid in the early 90s via the UK's regular Sonic comic. The only one that followed the games, everybody. We are the humans who think we're in charge. My name's Dave Bulmer. My name is Chris McFeely, and alternate history, true and accurate canon. The original correct history. I'm just pandering. I'm pandering to artist listeners. We're here with (laughs) issue number 63 of Sonic the Comic, and you know what? I completely missed mentioning. I just looked at the number on the cover of this issue, Mm. 63, and you know what I realised that I forgot to mention an issue or two ago when it happened? We are now one-third of the way through this comic. Oh, wow, are we? Yeah. Gosh. Shut up, police. I don't care if it's an emergency. That's the feeling old alarm going off. (laughs) (laughs) And he turned it into keepable material. (laughs) And who did? Who did that? We've got a guest this issue. We do. That would be Sam Beddoes of Freak Zone Games. Probably know me from making the angry video game nerd games mostly, but I also made Night Terrors and the upcoming Spectacular Sparky and others including Manos, The Hands of Fate and all kinds of crazy retro games from a British person. We normally have a sort of a plug your stuff at the end, but I kind of want you to tell them a bit about Sparky because that's the reason you're here. It's out at about the time this episode is and people might be interested in it. And why would that be, Sam? Oh, well, Spectacular Sparky is very heavily inspired by Sega, STC, and this kind of era of video games on the Mega Drive. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tons of STC reference in there. Uh, tons of uh, inspiration from basically everything you guys talk about on this show. I kind of say what Shovel Knight is to the NES, Spectacular Sparky is to the Sega Mega Drive, particularly in uh, our part of the world. Yes, it is very, very honed on what we are interested in here on this podcast. And in particular, I ought to mention that I am in it. <laughs> yes, yes, you have a nice vo- uh, voice cameo because it's fully voiced. We have Richard Elson Key Art. Yes. Which I specifically looked for because of. Well, all of this that's going on and all the conversation around this, it's really kind of reawoken my love for this comic and also reminded me of how much everything I do is inspired by this comic. I mean, just looking at the cover here... Which has got a short fuse of the Cybernick. And I remember how many times I'm yes. designing a robot and I give him big, angry, red eyebrow V shape and, th- and these shaped eyes and things. I keep accidentally designing short fuse the Cybernick, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the cover to this one is short fuse in all of his silvery glory, doing a double fisted fly up towards you with all. It's black in the background and there's all circuit boards. Wait a minute! We didn't say the date. This issue is dated for the 27th of October, but... But actually released on October 14th, which uh, either way makes it a sort of halfway Halloween issue. Mm, yeah, sort of. We're going to have an actual Halloween issue next time. Yeah. Whether or not there'll be any content, we don't know yet. Oh, as far as I'm concerned, it's all of October is Halloween. Yeah. It's starting to feel crisp. It's starting to feel spooky. You're starting to want to wander about at night and terrorise people. I thought you were about to say it's starting to feel Christmassy, and I was about to instruct no, you to get uh, in a bin. Uh, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, it's starting to feel like you might want some, I don't know, fizzers or something. Whatever, whatever people give out, <laughs> little toffee crisp to me. That's that's what I want in my trick or treat bag. That's what I want giving. That's out. Halloween to you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Short Fuse, the Bad Nick Buster's back. A new story beginning Mm -hmm. this issue, along with a new Sonic story, Project Brutus. There's one last thing on the cover that we haven't covered yet, which is free Eraser, and it points to... Well, it points to Short Fuse's fist, because I doubt any of us have still got our rubber stuck to the front of the cover, correct? 
we know what it looks like. We did have the picture of the of the rubber from last issue. Yeah. I've got it. It's in my box, oh. but I simply can't be bothered oh. getting it out because it's just what we saw last issue in the mm. preview. If you want to dig up last issue's control zone or wherever it was they showed us, or the next issue bit, wherever it was, readers then do so. It's a picture of Sonic, fists up, in a celebration pose. Not a tremendously good drawing. And it's one of those rubbers that's fairly big and cut around that shape. Had you ever used it? Is there any evidence of its use? Oh, I should have got it out, shouldn't I? I don't See, know. Is there reasons you should have got it I out? I don't eh? know. should probably point out that to Americans, a, a rubber isn't a razor in England. Yes. Yes, I suppose. Because so. you rub It actually does with say it. eraser on the It says covers. eraser, yeah. But I thought that was weird at the time. Yeah, but it means something very different to them. I remember at the time... When I was at school one time and I'd noticed that the school rubbers said eraser on them. Mm, that's when you notice it. Yeah, and I said the word eraser out loud and a boy near me said, oh, I watched that. And I guess there was a program <laughs> the called film. Eraser on. I'd, or, I'd, it was a movie. Was it Schwarzenegger or maybe? Yeah, but I don't think... I think, this was, I think this was before that. I think there must have been a TV program called it. Let me find out. Because we were in, you know, like, we were in early Schwarzenegger days. Yeah, that's 1996. This was closer to 89. So I think he might have been thinking of the band Erasure and getting it mixed up with it being something on TV. <laughs> anyway, that's how unfamiliar we were. It was a rubber. That was what they were called. Absolutely. That's I do wonder if it was, like, um, mounted on a little card for the cover. Could be, but I don't think it was look where the sonic eraser missing alert your news agent now warning uh-huh. is it's way down there i see what you mean yeah it's nowhere near where the arrow's pointing to is it yeah yes. but i can see that the tape removal marks on my copy here expertly removed by the previous owner oh, well, by the way beautiful work and, and no, they just seem to hang over the bottom of the arrow so i don't know well oh you know i'm not sure you wouldn't think they would just tape a rubber to the cover of the comic it must have been mounted yeah but that is what they did with a packet of entire pastels well yeah but you don't need to mount a packet of pastels you don't need to mount a rubber sure you do the tape will peel right off a rubber you'll tear up a packet of pastels trying to get it off there well no matter what you can't erase some of this franchise's past mistakes (laughs) (laughs) hey listen i can do one up on dean because i can't see the tape removal marks at all so oh no 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 wait if i hold it in the right light there's a slight discoloration. That's all it is. And yes, it is right underneath the arrow. Do you know, I can make out a rough outline of the actual eraser on mine. Oh, There's a little rectangular shape. I don't think that's going to show on the camera, but uh, just reflect it. So maybe it wasn't... Okay, listen, at the end of this recording, we'll see how much time yeah. we've got with Sam. I'll go and get mine out. We won't do it now because it might take a bit. I did later find it. It is rectangular and not shaped around the art. And with light signs of careful use... I would estimate six to ten times, favouring the corners, but sparing two. Before we crack open, Sam, you were talking there already about your history with the comic, but tell us, as we ask all our guests, how did you come to Sonic the Comic? Where did you start and when? Oh man, do you know what? Like, I was one of the few kids, UK kids that had the NES, the the NES. Get him! Which was, yeah, strange start, but is it is it like a kind of, you know, the whole little mystery of like, you know, why the NES wasn't popular in Europe and, you know, mm. people hear about that. But there's like a, there's a third string to mm. that where they actually sold them all off cheap when the Super Nintendo and things were starting mm. to come out. And so all the poor kids like me oh, ended up with an NES. And in my why? area, okay. everybody had them. I never knew this, but I got into the NES when my friend got one, which was like a, 
early 1992 at the earliest. Yes, yes, I've looked it up. The SNES was released in the UK in April of 1992, which lines up with that precisely. That's why my friend got the NES. That was my introduction to the NES. I'd love it when I figure out stuff like this. And so I never knew that. Of course, that was when Mario World came yeah. out. Yeah, it all got sold off cheap because, well, the, the kids that couldn't afford the Super Nintendo all were like, hey, get, come get this. And they were all sold off as, like, budget right. stock, you know. And also they were in all the classified ads in the newspapers being sold <laughs> and everything. So me and the kids in my area, we were, we, I don't want to say, like, very, very poor. But, you know, my dad worked really hard, but we didn't yeah. have the, the most money. Yeah, yeah. And so it was, yeah, I had the NES for a long time. But uh, I remember going to a friend's house and he was playing Sonic 2. And I was just kind of blown away by it. Like, I can remember now he had, like, his TV was in, like, a, a rack, you know, with the Mega Drive yes. in there and everything. Just watching Casino Night Zone just, like, flashing at you and everything like that and being, like, blown away. And this kid, I was going, can I have a go? And he'd be going, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, when I die, when I next die. <laughs> okay, okay. And he'd die and he'd go, no, 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 next time. I said, when he beat the level, you can have a go. And he, I never got a go on it. His mum would come up and tell him to. Never got to have a go <laughs> on it. But then... I remember not long after that, the cartoon series being advertised. Mm. So I started watching that and I was like, it wasn't quite the game. Putting it mildly. Yeah. And then another friend had the comic and gosh, it was, I think it was the issue, the Sentinel was the story, mm. something like that. And I saw the, the comic and I thought, this is great. And I used to get the Beano and what started happening was uh, every now and then I'd ask my mum for Sonic instead of the Beano if I was in the newsagent with her or something. And I started properly reading religiously and sacrificing my Beano after Day of the Death Egg. (laughs) And yeah, that was that was me hooked then. I I still missed issues because we just it was just if I was going with my mum shopping, if we had the money, etc. But that was when I really got into Mm. it. Stuck with it from there. Eventually got the games. I got a Mega Drive eventually at a car boot sale. Do you know what? I was, because I liked Mario and Sonic, I like Nintendo and Sega, you weren't allowed to do that Mm-mm. on no. the playground. This is forbidden. So I flip-flopped. It'd be like, oh yeah, now I'm a Mario guy. Oh, now I'm a Sonic guy. And I'd pretend I hated the other. So that's where I've got chunks missing from my Sonic the Comic Collection when I was pretending I was the Mario guy. <laughs> oh, you had to fully commit to the bit. Oh. You yeah. do it in secret. Oh. I see, that's a shame. I just yeah. openly liked all of those things and Dizzy and Super Frog yeah, and all I should it. have. I remember I went to secondary school and I met some guys. It was um, John from uh, How'd You Like Me Now. <laughs> no, sorry, Will from How'd You Like Me Now. John from <laughs> Show Called Hate and um, Oh John Locke. Big Punch Magazine. Yeah. yeah. And all of that. And these guys, they kind of took me in and showed me their Sonic fan comic. And they had me do some art and and do some writing and everything for them. It was called Big Big Punch Punch. Comic. (laughs) It starred Donic the Porcupine. Oh, that kind of Sonic fan comic. (laughs) Yeah, it was legally distinct, which was quite advanced for that age, I suppose. But he was a purple porcupine called Donic. Uh, he wasn't fast, though. He was smart. They had a fast uh, one, which well, was Rocket that is, the Squirrel. That's almost completely different, isn't it? It certainly <laughs> beats had... my Atomic the Hedgehog, who was red with blue sneakers. <laughs> hey, I'm into it. <laughs> they had uh, Clutch the Armadillo, who guarded the uh, Havoc Rings. Havoc Rings. Oh, boy, that's not wow, bad, really <laughs> subbing in everybody. Well, we all did it, didn't we? <laughs> Clutch the Armadillo is a really yeah. Sonic-sounding yeah. character name, I have to say. I think that was John's. And was and did that predate Mighty the Armadillo? Was there an armadillo yet? You know, I don't remember. I don't recall, but I think they... Uh... Chris, you, you may not know the end of this, but, like, John's still making comics now. He's he's still He still works under Big Punch Studios. He's still at oh, it. Oh, yeah. right. He's great. 
I started Freak Zone games at the same time. <laughs> Actually, in Sparky, I've named a couple of characters after Big Punch characters. And yeah. The like. But those guys really took me in. And so my love of Sonic and the comic then really like went crazy, you know. And so I, I carried that on and had to kind of hide it because the school I was at wasn't the best school. So we had to kind of pretend we weren't nerds. You yeah, know? you had to pretend yeah. to be hard. What are you doing? What's that you're drawing? We are drawing... Uh, footballs. Um... <laughs> I also remember having the VHS of the anime. Oh, the what? Yeah, you had the VHS yeah. of that? Bloody hell. Yeah, I searched everywhere for it. it was, I think it was the first video I ever ordered on the internet. Wow. Because I couldn't find it in any shops or anywhere like that. And I found a website that had it. It was called At The Zone or something <laughs> like that. Because Amazon still only sold books. Wow. Yeah. And I got hold of that and I'd bring it in and lend it to all my friends. And uh, I remember somebody caught me with the video and was like... Oh, why, why, why you got Sonic? Why have you got Sonic? This is 1998 and or nine, whatever, 99 yeah. maybe, whenever that yeah. was. <laughs> I mean, my father did say to my first girlfriend when I brought her home, I thought he was going to marry a bloody hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a good line to go, go inside yeah. the comic on. <laughs> Let's open up the book and consummate this marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Megadroid's only partner is his hand, which he says is in need of an oil. <laughs> that so many of us are sending email letters to STC because it makes a change from opening envelopes, you see. Mm. I don't really know what his hands are so busy doing. No. He would have thought it would be more work to open the envelopes, but mm, never mind. Yeah, no. Playing Sega games. You'd think an email would go straight into his brain anyway, wouldn't you? Well, it's Richard Burton's email address. So oh, yeah, that's right. He has to go around Richard Burton's to... house, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of Richard Burton, I just noticed actually this issue that his credit has moved right down the box. Oh, See so that down there in the right bottom the left? Bottom now. It's down there at the bottom. So now Deborah Tate, as editor, takes the top spot. He used mm. to be up there in the top. So That's right. I guess and, uh, uh, he's even more hands-off now than ever, just after he gave them access to his email. Yeah, so he's editor. They have uh, all the dirt to hold over him. <laughs> taking the assistant editor chair that Deborah was in is Audrey Wong now. Mm. She's been assistant editor for a little bit, but now, but her credit has now her moved credit. to the second spot in the box. Too. Yeah, upper place from last fortnight <laughs> it's Audrey Wong <laughs> yeah so I guess Richard Burton's still managing editing but just I don't know down there like he's stepping back a bit or something either that either that or Deborah's just edited the thing and gone <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a managing editor does I guess it's probably what the British publishing term for something like the editor in chief in the same way you'd see in an American comic book the company editor yeah so he's not editing he's the manager he's the boss yeah so uh, in the control zone you've got your usual hey boomers you got your da 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 he tells you about the eraser he tells you about what's in this issue and we don't need to report back any of it no we really don't uh, he wraps this up by saying that um the graphic zone features your artwork at its vampish best mm -hmm. which should put us in the mood for stc 64's halloween horror issue speaking of <laughs> speaking of which <laughs> check out the free gift that comes with it see oh, below killing me megadroid that free gift below being a sonic mask yep yeah. Yep, yep. Halloween is heading our way, and SDC has decided that no self-respecting boomer should be seen without a mask. SDC 64's free Sonic mask is just what you need to fool unsuspecting humans, so reserve a copy at your local newsagent now. It's just a droid of a grumpy Sonic's head that's going to be a mask. Yep, not even got a little smirk nope. on it. Just as a grumpy old head. Gr yeah. Looking grumpy. But we'll not talk too much about it now because we we'll talk about it next year. It's, it's like we exhausted all of our good eraser chat last <laughs> Exactly, yeah, we need to hold back. <laughs> we will hold off on talking about this mask until next issue because I don't know about you, but I know 
It's still attached to my copy. Yep, it's still attached to both copies we have in this house, in fact. Nobody wanted to cut out a sonic mask. I think I recall wearing it. You wore it! I think I recall wearing it at oh some point. I used to interact with the free gifts. Actually, I'll tell you the best one. Uh, sorry, I'm going to start on a story now. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. Right, the best one. It. I had the gold transfers yes. that came in issue 50. Yeah, yes. This was in the time when, uh, you know, I was trying to avoid a little bit of bullying and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And we used to go to a youth club, mm-hmm. which was for sort of 11 plus, which was in the village. Uh, run by a friend's dad. They had like a Nintendo and stuff there. You know, the cheap NES, you Presumably know. the dad will have had mutton chops round about there. And then, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, something to that effect. We'd go and you'd have like 10p cans of RC cola, yeah. American style nice. cola Ooh. and um, chipsticks Ooh. and all of that, you know. But uh, Not had a chipstick in a while. <laughs> yes. Some vinegar chipsticks and Coke. That makes me think of mm. Youth Club. But there was a kid, there was a big, it was a big kid. And I think I was in maybe the last year of primary, something like that. And I had the gold Sonic thing on my wrist. The it was son. It looked like this mask. It was Sonic facing forward, doing mm-hmm. the little wink. And this guy was kind of giving me a little bit of a hard time. Mm. And he suddenly grabbed my wrist and he pulled my wrist out of my sleeve. And he went, "Do you read Sonic the comic?" <laughs> and I braced myself for like the bully, and I went, "Yes." And he went, oh, me too. <laughs> and suddenly we're gushing about the best characters and the best moments. And then he's like, and I told him I missed some issues. And he's like, oh, which ones do you want? I'll lend them to you. And, and, that, and that kid had my back for the rest oh. of school. I had a big kid that had my back because we liked Sonic. Oh. <laughs> so when I think of those transfers, brilliant. I get that warm That's memory. Brilliant. The bigger shots. I've got uh, something to show you guys here in my issue. Readers, if you happen to have this issue... Do you have one of the super rare ones like Mm. what I've got? Because, and Chris, I haven't seen what yours is like yet. So yours might be one of the super rare ones. Because in mine, Mm. their printer has completely sodded up the charts. Look at the state of this. Oh, yeah, no, mine's Look at that. You can't read the chart. What seems to have happened is that, like, whatever, I don't know how these printers work, but something has smeared black streaks all the way up the charts corner of my control zone page. And it is, it's not just extra black, it's come off. It's, it should have been here because there's no black well, there. I was going to say, it looks it looks grey. Yeah. It looks like it was running out of ink. I mean, it does look like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the printer saw that Brian Lara Cricket was number one and just went <laughs> bugger it? And Scribbled it out. <laughs> A non-moving number one at that. Oh dear. Still, Theme Park at two, that's fine. As long as yeah, we're very good edging in, yeah. No, it's a pretty bad top ten. Theme Park, FIFA Soccer 95, mm. PGA Tour Golf mm. 3, Street Racer, Pete Sampras Tennis, Road Rash 3. Road Rash is good. Rise of the Robots, God. NHLPA, Hockey 96, and Cannon Fodder back in it. Oh no, Cannon Fodder, that's very good. Cannon Fodder's great. Yeah, that was a Amiga game. It right? was. Uh, it's on the Amiga. Amiga. Yeah. I had the uh, Atari ST version, which was the poor person's Amiga. So. Yes, but presumably quite similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that was a good game. Didn't mean that everything in the top 10 was bad, just that it was a bad overall top 10. Yes, indeed. Where's Sonic? Yeah. Yeah, where's Sonic? All, all we've got here battling against the sports is Amiga, Theme Park and Camp Fodder. Well, I guess it depends if you count Road Rash and Street Racer or Sports and, and Rise of the Robots. Tricky. That's the thing. It does annoy me that Rise of the Robots is higher than Cannon Fodder because everybody knew by this time that it was nothing. It's new though <laughs> that's all it needs oh god look know? on uh, number six on the mega cd chart sega classics doesn't say what 
god, what would be classic by that point already? Yeah, and the Mega CD trying its best, but it can't push Star Wars chess, the definition of boredom, <laughs> off the top ten. <laughs> Star for Star Wars content, yeah. 95. Mickey Mania, though. Mickey Mania was good. Yep. The only new entry in all of the four charts is Asterix and the Secret Mission in there at number four on the Master System I wonder chart. if that's the one that we looked at that was Chieftain's Shield and uh, you're going in and out of houses and things. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a... We talked about it a while yeah. back, wasn't it? That's probably... Probably, probably yeah, yeah. yeah, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah, that seemed all right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sonic Drift Racing oh. down there at number 10 on the Game Gear chart. Missed it because it's at the very, very, very yeah. bottom of the page. Yeah, yeah. And that just shows you because we know somebody has already bought Sonic Drift Racing and written in to complain about how it says Sonic Drift Racing 2 on, right. the, on the title screen. Yeah. It's only now hitting the charts. <laughs> Project Brutus (laughs) Part 1 Written by Lou Stringer Art by Richard Elson Letters by Ellie DeVille Dr. Robotnik programs a troop Robotnik with a copy of his own brain patterns to become his deadly new second in command Brutus Learning that Sonic and the Freedom Fighters are in the Pleasant Zone Brutus takes a platoon of troopers to round them up and Sonic soon discovers he's never faced a badnik quite like Brutus. Oh, this is just in, in with a bullet, you know? Yeah. This is the start of the longest multi-parter Lou Stringer has yet been allowed to write on the comic. Yeah. And Richard Elson's drawing it. It's a, yeah. like I the only previous Lou Stringer Richard Elson team up I can think of was the supersonic issue of the poster um, Yeah, I think Does so. That sound right to you? Yeah, yeah, and this plus the fact that Lou's gonna be doing another Sonic strip in this issue, this really feels like yeah. Lou landing both feet in the comic, going, Yep, here we go, I'm one of these as well. Th- this is yeah, this is a real glow up suddenly. Like, you know, you don't just get given Richard Elson. Like, <laughs> at this point, yeah. given that we know that his art was obviously being used by other artists as the reference material, yeah. like, he is well established at this point as the the top-tier guy, the guy who's defining the look of the comic. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, this is a lot of Richard Elson issues back-to-back because we've just come off the four-part Metallic story yes, and the six-part Chaotix before that, and then the whole Sonic & Knuckles adaptation before that. We've had a long, unbroken string of Richard Elson work, even though it hasn't all been on the Sonic strip, but he's back to colouring his own work this issue now as compared to John Burns doing the last couple. We wouldn't be able to raise the slightest whinge if he'd had the issue off, and that was why yeah. we were switching from Nigel scripts <laughs> to Lou scripts. You know, because yeah, it's a lot of work that he's put in, but here he still is. And this, if you couldn't tell from the title, if you remember back four issues to the end of the Mechanic two-parter with Short Fuse and Sonic, back before the Brotherhood of Metallics, which teased at the very end of it that Robotnik was beginning mm. Project Brutus. So this is now another, like the Brotherhood of Metallics before it, a case of a writer actively seeding yeah. their own plot that they've come up with, not based on a game. Mm. And, uh, and now paying it off in, uh, in what is only the first of a series of stories that will run for the next while. We've been heading in that direction, but we're now entering the period of the comic where there just aren't really any more games now. Yeah. And yeah. so they're having to... It's not... We haven't finished adapting games altogether, but we're in a bit of a dry run of Sonic games for a while, and so... This is the point at which the continuities start to diverge and we get quite a yeah. lot of original STC stuff starting to happen. I mean, Kitching still sort of rings... Well, rings isn't the right word, but... Um, Good Sonic word, though, isn't it? Extrapolates upon Chaotix yes. to, to build this first big story he's been telling with the yes. Metallics's. And then after that, we'll go. Uh, we'll have to 
go off in in his own original directions because there yeah we won't there won't be another game adaptation till I want to say after issue 100 really uh, there was the Sonic 3D stuff well, this is right? it when did Sonic 3D happen yeah well that's into the hundreds before God before is that it happens. so yeah so oh, it's a good like 30 issues then yeah where they have to come up with their own stuff and they they succeed like it's some of my best memories of stc are from this period certainly many people will hold up some of the stuff that's coming in the next i guess year now that i actually think about trying to put a number on it year at least i don't know about beyond that i'm gonna say a year because sonic 3d that when i said earlier about how it's getting october it's getting crisp it's getting cold that feeling to me is always associated with sonic 3d because that was the 96 mm. october november sort of time when i got that so that that, yeah, it's a year till uh, that game. next year, yeah. Wow. Right, anyway. This strip opens on... it. I would almost go so far as to kind of call this scene infamous, because oh. it's a scene of... Well, the opening narration says, Two qualities that a good leader needs are dignity and maturity. But then Dr. Robotnik never set out to be a good leader. <laughs> and it is Robotnik throwing <laughs> fruit and eggs. I'm surprised he would waste the eggs. <laughs> at, um, at a poster of Sonic. And he's just... Take that, you hellish blue hedgehog. And, uh, yeah, Kitching always tried to make Robotnik a menacing figure. And, right. But to me, this is perfectly on pattern for Robotnik. Well, because there's two sides to Robotnik, and there always has yeah. been. Mm. And and maybe, again, we have to acknowledge that we are affected by the James Wallace depiction of Robotnik. But there are two sides to him, which is the silly side and the deranged side. And, like, you can put sinister onto that and it makes it all perfectly wrapped up in that you're, you're allowed to do it all i think besides things is because richard elson's robotnik is the model of the adventures of sonic robotnik which was the much more comical mm. yeah. version but he's he has much more of the menace of the sat am mm. version from the two cartoons so this first panel is it almost hard to see because he's kind of actually using the, the way he's got like one foot up. He's kind of prancing <laughs> and throwing the tomatoes in this Beano style. Like yes. here, Long John Baldry doing like a... <laughs> it's poetic, isn't it? The way he's kind of whipping his hand around. <laughs> it's lovely. I don't know how influenced I am in my view of him by the Martin Adams novels, though, because uh-huh. I think back to like the earliest issues of of sdc where he was you know making jokes about el dorado and and uh, yeah. stuff like that and i'm like you know sdc robotnik in and of himself to me he contains multitudes yeah <laughs> and then grimer comes in the door with this great line eh, uh, sorry to interrupt your high power think session sir <laughs> <laughs> and then he leads robotnik into the room where Brutus is about to be woken up. And, whoa, <laughs> Elson, he brings his Emperor Metallic skills to a, a trooper. It's a gold trooper yep. with, well, I'll call it a crown of spikes, but it's just a ring of spikes around his head, you know. Well, yeah, but it has a sort of crown of thorns imagery yeah, yeah. to it, doesn't it? Definitely. Uh, he's got a big red cape. I mean, I mean, Jesus. No. Big red cape. Come yeah. on, I mean... <laughs> This guy was cool for a minute one, like, spiked knuckles. When he stands up, this cape isn't just hanging down. It's like, it goes up around his shoulders. It sweeps around him. It's a a Dracula cape. Yeah, this is the only (laughs) way to draw a cape on a villain, you know, (laughs) if you're drawing a cape right. And it's fixed in with these little sort of fanged skull clasps around his neck. And he's got another one of those for his belt and a big, well, a big hanging cod piece as well. You know, just like a slightly more ornate armor than a regular trooper badnik has. He's badass, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You've said already that he's all gold, haven't you? He's all gold, yes. Yes. Big gold with with the red cape doing... The Lord's work in setting <laughs> off then that gold armor with this crimson blood red flourish. Like. Yeah, but you can't see the cape at first because when we first meet him, he's like 
sitting in it looks like a throne but it's just what he's been built in he hasn't been turned on yet his head slumped forwards he's got all um frankenstein zappy things all around his head yeah electrodes and all sorts yeah yeah. and then yes dr robotnik transfers a copy of his brain patterns into brutus oh and also sorry i've just noticed that there's just green mist on the floor of the lab just just because it's a spooky lab it's got castle walls you you don't even notice it because (laughs) Of course, yeah, of course there's green mist. Like, where even is this? It's yeah. it's it's made of stones exactly, and stuff. Yeah. This is Citadel Robotnik. Yeah. How is this a big stone dungeon laboratory? I think it's because like, I think it's because it's the bit that Grime has asked for. He's like, okay, I have some specifications for my lab. <laughs> They're in paint swatches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big closet full of dry ice somewhere. And so then Grimer <laughs> puts down head helmet things onto Brutus. And Robotnik, because they're going to download Robotnik's or upload Robotnik's brain into Brutus. Copy, copy specifically. Oh yeah, they're not taking it from Robotnik. That's the important thing, it's not just putting Robotnik's brain in a robot body. He is a copy who is specifically designed to serve as Robotnik's second in command. But, I mean, well, you know, no spoilers in that, <laughs> but you don't go about naming your trusted second in command <laughs> after one of the most famous of traitors in all of I classical history. I never even thought of that. I just thought it's because he's a brute. But God, you're right. Oh, I'm so stupid. And it's done with such a... As the brain information is being sent across, you know, this is no small panel of two people patiently sitting in chairs. It's lightning everywhere, robotics moustache going everywhere. Live, live! You can't see Brutus's skeleton because he hasn't got one, but it's coloured as if that's what it is. Yeah. One thing did jump out to me at the end of the scene, though, where I was like, they say they've transferred Dr. Robotnik's personality. At last, my long-awaited second-in-command, a trooper with my own brain patterns. Yes, Doctor, your personality program coupled with my computer brain makes me more than fit for the task of exterminating Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm like... Well, it can't be a perfect transfer because he just said exterminating and not exterminating. <laughs> <laughs> so he's lost out on his tendency for puns. <laughs> and if if that is not truly the root of his ultimate downfall, I don't know what is. Yeah, no sense of humor. <laughs> Isn't it strange that they later started calling him Eggman, like in the Japanese versions, but then removed all of the reference to eggs? I know! Yeah, exactly! A yeah. bit backwards. It's, why doesn't yes? Why yes? Why doesn't modern Eggman make egg puns, even if it's just because that's his name? He loves eggs so much he wants to be one. But then you might as well ask, why does the man whose name is all about robots make egg puns? Because he's an egg. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you remember the Pleasant Zone? No, I didn't think you would. <laughs> yes, Amy. We cut to the Pleasant Zone, a lovely little village, and Amy says she's never been here before. The the Freedom Fighters are here in their um circus disguise and sonic says yeah me and the guys came here a while back had to save the whole village from certain doom as you do you <laughs> love that line <laughs> very loose string line but yes that was the um the frozen zone this was the uh, zone that was frozen to make the frozen zone and they defrosted it at the end it's good to see bob beaky and, and captain beaky and his band i don't recall seeing them this late in the comic i think of them as an earlier thing look at johnny here on on the fourth page he's the one driving the caravan because porker's not here <laughs> um i mean you know that is a note in a page's time mm. just like when, whenever brutus and co arrive and the fight breaks out um, amy says she wishes tails and porker were here to help them but johnny says they've got enough problems of their own wherever they are mm. footnote explains porker lewis was trapped in another dimension last issue and yeah. tails is currently starring with knuckles in their own story and um 
again, is that almost sort of like the first instance of Lou picking up a ball that, that Kitching had laid down and, and running oh, with it? Oh, and, and certainly the the resulting comic being printed at an appropriate time. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, because there actually is another strip and, and, uh, and all that, yes. Yeah. This sort of crossover that they used to do where like characters were in different places at different times. I used to love this. The crossovers they kind of do now with films and Marvel and everything like that, I always feel like, well, why should I have to buy another comic or watch another film? <laughs> yeah, because it's in the same comic, exactly. Yeah, this is awesome, but I get frustrated with it the other way around. Yeah. But look at Johnny's head there on the top of page four. He's got that head on him again. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is it now. Like, they have locked in on this begin Johnny's thing. <laughs> and all, all Sonic is doing is saying, park the caravan somewhere. And he's like, will do, Sonic. But the face on him is, oh, yeah, oh, um, um, I don't, oh, uh, um, He's a worry wart, isn't he? Johnny, for the love of God, cheer <laughs> up. Well, maybe it's that Johnny's the only one who can see what's really going on here. He's like, oh no, I'm in the middle of a dictatorship. Like, this is the terrible, <laughs> oh, you this mean is just the like bad a, future. In a socio-political sense. Yeah, and and my mates are just running around and doing puns and stuff, and I've got to, dr- I've got to put this big moustache on and drive a caravan. <laughs> he likes his moustache, remember? He likes his oh, moustache, thinks it makes himself look distinguished. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, maybe he's worried nobody can see it then. I like the receptionic. Yeah, love the receptionic. Nice to see her again. Uh, I'd forgotten about this character, but it, it puts me in mind of um, there was a Doctor Who episode where they had uh, <laughs> the android. Yes, mm-hmm. Anne I know me too. That's snake. all I can see. And also, we've got the design of this. Um, oh yes, love this dude. Mm, this guy, this rat guy that uh, the Richard. And I mean, he's drawn rats before, and they've looked quite like this before. But something about this drawing of this rat is like. Here's the next six months of Richard Elson laid out in front of us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> See, you've said rat, and I don't... I mean, You don't it, think it's a rat? No, it could be a rat. I don't know. But something about it, to me, also said weasel. Actually, I yeah, that, I think you're right there, weasel. Yeah. This is a stoolie. It's amazing it's not a pigeon in some <laughs> sense, where this is a resident of the Pleasant Zone who does not like Sonic and gets on the phone to the receptionist to let him know that Sonic's here. And he's, yeah, he's got this kind of rat-like, weaselish qualities. And it's like, well, it's not uh, striking a blow against genetic determinism, is it? But uh, He must have a horrible time living in the Pleasant Zone, wasn't he? Yeah, everyone there's so fluffy and cuddly. Yeah, he's, he's orange. <laughs> and when you get, and you see him, Rich has seeded him in the uh, Pleasant Zone establishing panel and just that everyone's so nice and friendly and he's just this horrible little... Oh, so he eh. is, you know, I didn't even, didn't even notice Well, I, I did because yeah. I thought like, well, what's he... Who's that bastard there? Oh, what's yeah, he doing in the Pleasant Zone? Little cuddly <laughs> Teddy Ruxpins and Scrooge McDuck and, and little pig. Look at that pig! I know. Pig. I obviously didn't look at these guys properly. Look at him. <laughs> How about his wee curl of hair? I love him. Yeah. God, if Porker could only ever look that happy. <laughs> What we're learning is that you are, if you are a peripheral Sonic friend, <laughs> you have life a miserable life. <laughs> <laughs> so then Brutus overhears this phone call come through to the receptionist anyway, and like without any foreknowledge, you wouldn't necessarily read anything into his actions, but he is named after. So um, he says, "There's no need to bother Doctor Robotnik with that receptionist. I'll deal with it." So he very much takes matters into his own hands, subverts mm. the chain of command. Um, well, I suppose it's not technically because he does outrank the receptionist, but the call <laughs> is intended for Dr. Robotnik, and she says she's going to alert Dr. Robotnik, but he just steps in there and is like, no, no, no. And he steps in there with a very imposing panel oh, yeah. of like his shadow cast over the receptionist and the receptionist cowering back. It's a brilliant shot. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, all she says was there's no need to bother, but, but, but I don't know, he must have said it very menacingly. I know, and <laughs> I got the, she's, this is the thing. He's bricking it. You get the sense... That, 
of Brutus subverting it. But then that's also presumably what Robotnik would have made him for. Like, Robotnik yeah. doesn't want to go and deal with this himself. We're going to do it himself. Yeah, he'd have sent Brutus out. Yeah. And he's, he doesn't do anything that anybody wouldn't do, you yeah. know, but. Yeah, yeah but. <laughs> something's in the water. So they arrive in the Pleasant Zone anyway. Brutus introduces himself to Sonic and... Uh, we just get straight to business. Give it the old action, bouncing yep. and banging off troopers and everything again. Fadang, badush, badush, fadang. Great sounds. Amy got the crossbow out, and it's a proper crossbow. Yes, little crossbow going right through the neck. Yeah, she's mastered that shot after the metallics <laughs> adventure. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Sonic launches himself right at Brutus, and this is—I mean, this is good. You know, we've braved worse battles before, but you've never faced me before, Spike Ball. That's great because, like, that's what Robotnik would call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he wouldn't really do it. I can't remember the last time he's done it, and it feels like something that's maybe phased out of kitchen strips a little bit, like those old like egg puns and spike ball yeah. and things like that. But they're always in stringer strips. Mm-hmm. So you've never faced me before, spike ball. Throw your best shot, buckethead. And then you know he launches at him, and Brutus just <laughs> just backhands him out of the air. <laughs> Will this do? Kind of looks like he's given a little spank on the bottom. Just, just <laughs> a bit, a bit. Like, a bit. like naughty, naughty hedgehog. And he finishes by just commanding the troopers who are now basically surrounding Johnny and Amy and Sonic to just firing squad them, and they do. The final panel is is essentially us in their position looking up at these guys firing. They're not getting ready to fire, firing their laser rifle things inwards at us, and that's the cliffhanger. Next issue defeated something tells me they haven't been shot i suspect they haven't been shot that is a dead good issue of sonic that lou's got us there that is bloody good Mm. stringer just leveling up Mm. where before as i said he was the filler guy between the kitchen stuff even though he was very good at that even though yes i mean that's something we've definitely recognized as adults was the craft that went into that and even though this is a story that fills in the gap between two of the biggest kitchen epics This is as important, as dramatic, as exciting, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. significant as anything else Kitching is serving up in what he's doing right now. Yeah, and that's kind of a surprise because essentially it's just Robotnik's built a big robot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like... At no point does the big golden red robot drill into Sonic's face, though, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Not this one, no. I mean, and again, maybe our opinion of this is coloured by the fact that we know Brutus will go on to be a recurring villain, the yeah. fact, by the fact that we know that this is a four-part story and not a fill-in two-parter or something yeah. like that, where Brutus is disposed of after two issues. But I still seem to remember when I opened this when I was a kid and read this, maybe just simply through the presence of Richard Elson drawing a stringer script. Yeah, it could be. That I knew I was reading something special and this was a leveling up. You know, that this was different. You know, that I yeah. probably even a case where I read the story and then had to go back and look at the credits box again saying, who was that by again? You know, it's it a whole different. The last panel on the second last page where he's throwing a punch across his body, mm-hmm. one foot up, one down, the other fist behind him mm-hmm. in the air. That particular pose, I think so much of Richard Richard Elson in this era, that specific punch. And I remember in our fan comic drawing <laughs> that so many times. Look at Brutus up there on the, the top of the second to last panel. You know, not to meme, but that's a penis. I know, I was... Right. Nose. <laughs> I've been holding my words in since I saw that panel just now. I didn't notice it when I was reading it for this, but looking at it... Okay, so we're talking about the panel where Brutus goes, Troopers attack, yeah, and he points yeah. at Sonic. Pointing at Sonic. But, yeah. but something about where the curl of his middle finger is 
is far enough along that it looks like it could be his index finger. So it's like there's just this nose poking out of him towards <laughs> Sonic. It's his finger because it's got a bigger yeah. tip than the rat. It's that's a nose. Yeah, that's that's. He's only got two knuckles, not three, on each finger. And that is what causes when he's doing this finger point because it has the effect of um. Yeah, it's that's, that's, that's a, a nose. That's a nose. That is a nose. You didn't reckon with my vibrating features. Graphic zone. Ghoulish graphic zone. Ghoulish graphic zone. Yeah, not the graphic zone this time. The ghoulish graphic zone. And it's just, it's Sonic and other characters mostly just dressed up as vampires and devils. With a few exceptions. (laughs) Doing trick or treat. Adam Chandler has drawn him as a... Wait, actually, what is that? I don't know, man. That looks for all the world like a football top to me. Uh, yeah, Yeah, but it's so... He's got okay, so he's got a cape and fangs. So Dracula, Sonic, this is Sonic, Sonic yeah, not Adam Chandler from Presswich Manchester. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's got a cape and fangs, so Dracula, but he's also got like a little green coat with a black chest and red pants and a red star mm. on, as if you know, as if he's done well in school that day. <laughs> his his legs are blue and exposed, so he's got that kind of Robin thing going on. Oh, yeah, wearing some red pants. Yeah. What vampire was Adam Chandler thinking of here? I don't know. It looks like a football shirt. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Maybe it is. Uh, Thomas Prosser of Siren Sester Gloucestershire has done uh, Knuckles, and he's got a cape, and he's got a little devil tail, so he's a devil one instead of a vampire one. Little horns. Yeah, well, he's kind of mixed his thing, because you don't think of devils as having capes, really, do you? So we've got kind of vampire-devil combo aesthetic here, don't we? Do I or don't I? I can't decide. I think if I was dressing up as one for Halloween, I would be looking for a black cape. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cape with a collar on it. Yeah. Pitchfork. Yeah, so perhaps. But of course, most important factor of the whole thing. What colour is he? Oh, Knuckles is pink. (laughs) Pink? Pink. Didn't notice. It's just so correct. It's so normal and right. In this drawing, I see the expression on his face and it just looks like one of the dinosaurs in the Flintstones just complaining about his job. Yeah, yeah. I kind of get the impression somebody's just walked in on him while he's changing. (laughs) He's kind of looking around. It's not what it looks like. I'm putting my costume on. Um, Andrew Munson of Leeds has done literally just Sonic but coloured red and so he's a devil. He's he's got devil tail and spiky teeth. Devil tail, he's got little claws and he's got brown shoes with blue stripes. And the socks brown. I wonder his eyes are actually, they come to points instead of curving round mm. as well. And that's probably deliberate. Yes, that's him very cross. Yeah. Well, it's not that he's essentially any more cross <laughs> than he usually is. It's just, it just seems like good cartooning to me. He's just made all the round yes. bits pointy, yeah, you know, to make him look more evil. He's evil, yeah. yeah. Ruth Sargent of Port Erin in the Isle of Man has done a bat sonic. Which is a Batman Sonic as much as anything else, isn't it? I, maybe. I mean, the caption STC has gone with here is Bat Hog, and it's a, yeah. just an all black Sonic, except for the gloves and the socks are white, and his whole head is black, except for his muzzle and the blue spikes, then, are what's kind of, yeah, making it look like he's wearing a the costume. Blue spikes over, coming out. But what made me say Batman may have been an inter- misinterpretation because I saw the sort of Batman y shaped bottom of his hat, his mm. cowl. Mm. But that could just be that she just used the thick pen and was trying to draw his nose there, and uh, I'm not mm. sure. And it certainly his wings are more like actual bat wings than a Batman cape. It's it's not Sonic the Bat, though, you know, it's it's, no. it's something else, whatever it is. No. Richard Eakin, uh, Derham Norfolk, has done Grimer, but a woman. It's a but a woman but one. to be fair to it, yeah. it's not the usual kind of but a woman one that we normally get. Move over, Mrs. Doubtfire is the caption. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, lipstick. Yes. And eyelashes, yes. Yes. 
And nail polish, actually. Maybe this is exactly like all the butter women ones. And it looks like it's grime as mum. What was the difference you were going to point out? I don't know. I just, I think oh. maybe it's, as Sam says, it looks more like Grimer's mum rather than mm. Grimer as a woman. There's something about the ankle length skirt, the button up cardigan and the purse. <laughs> yeah. What I think is a contributing factor to the fact that this looks different is that it's a very wrinkled face. And so you read it as an older woman. But if you try and imagine, remember what it was like trying to draw a complicated thing as a child, that might just be him trying to draw the full-on Richard Elson Grimer, which has a very wrinkled face. Well, I mean, well, that's the question is like, really, if you just make Grimer a woman, hmm. she probably would just look like his own mum anyway. Like, what age is Grimer? You're not going to sit there and tell me Grimer's 25, you know? <laughs> Considering the theme of this graphic zone, this is kind of like a reverse Halloween costume, right? It's like a monster dressed up as a... Yes! This is the odds. There's always an odd one out one, and this one, to be honest, they're, they're, they're mostly on, on brand oh, yeah. for this one, but this is... This is the sort of odd one out, yeah. It's still definitely yeah. a dress-up theme, but... Do you think Richard Eeks saw Mama Robotnik in the mm. Adventures cartoon and decided to complete the uh, the duo? Maybe. It's like, I don't want to meet Robotnik's mum because mum Kintabor is probably dead on account of Kintabor's old anyway and lives um. on another planet. So there is no Mama Robotnik. Doesn't exist. Not canon. But Grimer does have a mum, and I wonder what she <laughs> makes of her son's career. Yeah. There are definitely boiled sweets in that purse. (laughs) I do love that you could almost miss it. I almost mistook it for earrings there. She is wearing earrings. But um, the old uh, weird mechanical tubes are still coming out of her back. Oh, is that what it is? (laughs) I thought he'd given her downward hair spikes to be mum hair. But yeah, I forgot. No, this is the old tubes. Did you notice that our pronouns have all shifted to her? We have now accepted that this is just Grimer's mum. It's not Grimer (laughs) dressed up anymore. Philip Mickey Took from Mill Lane Royton. We think we're pronouncing that correctly. Sorry if not, Philip. Has done what exactly? Is this a Franken-Sonic? Well, that's what STC have called it. And it is. Yeah. It's... Well, I think I think that's probably what it's supposed to be. Yeah, but it could be a robot. It, it's a sort of wild-eyed, red-eyed Sonic with a kind of looking, a zip-looking mouth, or at least a zigzaggy mouth, mm. covered in nails. But he's got big shaggy sock legs on and big shaggy sock arms. Still about Tails doll. And then what looks like robot socks? Yeah, he looks like a Tails doll Sonic. He might be a robot Sonic, and I'm not sure. Those might even be popoid legs. <laughs> and he's got a big crackle around him yeah like energy electricity could be or something but i feel like stc are being fair when they name it frankenstein i don't necessarily mm. think that they've massively misinterpreted it as sometimes is the case with these things amy wright howick in scotland uh has drawn a very involved very good yes picture here this is probably the best one where so it's sonic as a vampire and he's got the teeth and she's given him really bloodshot eyes as well and they're so bloodshot that they might as well be like, you know, cracked glass. Yeah, with real crazy cracks. paving look. <laughs> yeah. But what's really noticeable... Oh, and he's got his cape done up as well. You can see the little knot. Mm. Uh, that's good. But he's in front of the path leading up to his whole castle. And up in the sky... There's mountains in the background. And up in the sky... There's a bat tails. That's brilliant. Is, Love the bat tails. It's great. It's just a bat, just with tails his head, and it's a little smiley head going, hello, I'm tails, but I'm a bat. Don't you love how the wings are drawn? It's like she didn't quite know how to draw yeah. bat wings, and instead what she's done is she's drawn holly. Holly like leaves. you draw holly yeah, yeah. Christmas yep. on a drawing when you were a kid and coloured them black. Just love that. 
And did you notice the moon up in the yes, very top right? Yes, if you look really, really carefully, it's almost cropped off, but there's a, a crescent moon that's Robotnik. Yeah. And so you can just wow. see his nose and moustache stuck on the side of this moon. And I guess the, the blue bit, what's that, his eyes? She's prophesied yeah, space yeah. colony art. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to be doing a big lightning down from this cloud that's behind the moon. So, yeah. like, Robotnik's controlling the weather or something. I don't know what Robotnik's doing up there in the moon. Pissing down on the moon. Finally, I remember, fellas, that there was a day at school where I said... No, I didn't say this to my mum. I'd written a story in an English lesson when I was about seven or eight. Where I was talking about something particularly gut-spaced that had happened. Someone <laughs> had... Oh, no, I know. It was a flower. It was a lovely little talking flower had been stamped on and completely destroyed. And I described this as, quote, it was like something out of Nightmare on Elm Street. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my mum was like... How do you know what that is? David, it... she knew I didn't know what that was. Her concern was David... You've made it look like I've let you watch Nightmare on Elm Street so that you know what it is. I don't want you to say that again because it makes me look like I've let you. And I said, no, 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 I I only put it because said it and he told me about it. And she's like, well, shouldn't have been allowed to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. So I I grew up thinking of Nightmare on Elm Street as the, the quintessential thing a child should not know about. But which is silly because at this point in the nineties, like Freddy has already well transitioned beyond mm. those confines and become a pop culture figure in and of himself that kids recognize and know without ever having watched any of the films. They sold a lot of Freddy and Jason toys yeah. to kids and stuff as well. And you know, things like uh, they have cartoon series of the Toxic yeah, Avenger Toxic and Crusaders, things like yeah. that, where because you, you have a weird yeah. fascination with the thing that you're not allowed to watch, and they kind of you know toys of Alien mm. and yeah. stuff like that, which is why. And how, I'm sure, Gareth Hamilton of, they've spelled it Craig Oven, but I'm afraid it's spelled Craig Avon from Northern oh. Ireland, oh. has drawn Sonic Kruger in Nightmare on Green Hill. And it's uh, exactly what you think it is. It's Sonic it's exactly dressed as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yep. Hat, jumper, claws. He's got uh, yep. Dennis Sorry. the Menace stripes going on. <laughs> Freddy Krueger. It's weird. I think Freddy Krueger is wearing red and green. Oh. But it looks black. That's how you definitely know that he didn't actually watch it. He just sort of knows the yeah, idea yeah. of Freddy. We don't know for sure whether or not Gareth, you know, coloured it in very dark green and it just hasn't been printed very well because... He didn't use pen and ink. He used pencils and crayons, and they're always telling them not to do that. Well, if you're rebellious enough to watch Nightmare on Elm Street at that age, you're not going to use no coloured pencils. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street at age 12. <gasps> That's fine. 12 uh, is, 12 is all right, all right isn't it? My friend's mum used to, anytime there was a movie coming on TV, she'd record it onto one of her long play tapes. Yes. So she'd record every, almost any movie that she just heard was coming on telly. She'd just oh, put really? the tape in and hit record oh. on a long play tape. But she wouldn't write the movie on the tape when she was done. She'd write A1, <laughs> A2, A3. And she had shelves full of just tapes with A1, A2, oh, B1, B2 on these shelves. Wow. And a book which had all of the oh, names wow. of the films. And I would go to my mate's house and we would go through the book and pick what we were going to watch. Oh, wow. And that's how we got away with a lot of things like Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> she really struggled with spelling, so we, it, right. you know, say things like Rosa Raddit and Wagney's World and <laughs> oh things like word. that. But it was uh, fun memories of that. And, you know, it would come to the weekend, it would be allowed to stay up late because it was a Friday. We'd get back from youth club. What do you want to borrow tonight, Sam? Here's the book. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. 
That's wicked. <laughs> Dave, have you got to that part of have you heard Bammy died yet? Is that in that? Yeah, so, he's got the same deal in that. No, I haven't got that far, but I was about to say that I've heard someone on Twitter say that, and I bet it was him. But, so, yeah, like, yeah. maybe that was a thing that just that generation were told they were supposed to do. Well, video recorders were new and exciting. Yeah. That's true. Mm. I'm surprised you didn't do yeah. it, Dave, to be honest. But then you probably you just didn't have control of the television and the tapes in your house. Um, you weren't no, out there the, buying your own tapes yet, unlike the dads and mums in these stories. I quickly gained control. But yes, I'll, we still have our first tapes, which were simply called one through seven. Because you'd peeled the little number off the stickers and you put yeah. it on video number seven. Um, so yeah, no, in that way, same. But we didn't have a, any reference book as to what was on them. Like oh, We really just had one tape. That we, for the kids, that is, you know, and though you just tip whatever over and watch it over and over again, you know. I mean, I don't know if still in my garage I have all of the things that I would later record later as a, a teenager and early 20 something, though, all mm. meticulously labeled along the spine, you know, Metabots World Row Battle Championship Arc Episodes <laughs> number 43 to 47, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Echo. Return of Echo the Dolphin Written by Alan McKenzie Art by Steve White Letters by Tom Frame Echo travels through the Vortex Gateway To the alien world Where Earth's sea life is being kept With the aid of another dolphin He begins gathering all the sea creatures together And prepares to open the way To bring them all home So the first page of this Is exactly what I want Out of an Echo the Dolphin comic Dolphin in space Yep. Yep. Space. The opening panel is Echo encased in a fire. Like it's like he's tearing space open as he goes with his nose. There's like this fire bubble around him. We can see a, a planet with the sun breaking over its horizon and sending out beams in that direction. He is swimming towards a giant hollow hexagonal space station, which is like frontier elite two as hell. <clears throat> he's gonna fly into that thing. And you get the sense it's a big portal. And just as he approaches it, a massive, like, hand of energy stretches oh, out bit. of it and grabs him with its lightning grip. Oh, it, it's properly... It's got that stargate yep. water-as-teleport effect kind yep. of feature, but it's infinitely cooler. Like this panel here, the third panel, where it just surges to life. At first, as I was reading I thought that was Echo hitting it and going through it. Mm. I but don't know what that is in the well, third it, panel. It, it's surging to life. Oh. So it goes... And it's almost like a stone thrown in a pond as the energy mm. sprays out of both sides. Yeah. But then this fourth panel, like Echo doesn't go through it. It takes him. Yeah. And it's like a big curling laminar flow sort of tendril of water. But yeah. it's the all the it's all the colours of the rainbow. And it yeah. swirls and twists and it comes around and it's and then and then this beautiful unbroken swirling column forks and Brick splashes open into a big grasping claw of like electricity and fire and water and envelops him. <laughs> and you turn a page! You turn and a it's page. a full page splash of echo whirling through the infinite. Oh god. Oh, yeah, and yes. the infinite is the colours. It's it's like that hand has like curled and whirled round him and he's going down a tube of it and it's all rainbow colours and there's all light coming out. It's flipping dolphin in space. This is what I want. How is this this good? It kind of gives me vibes of uh, Vija from Star Trek yeah. Motion Picture. But if it was flattened, if you, if you could get Vija from Ikea, it would arrive <laughs> like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the rest of the whole episode is three pages in this sort of thick red sea. It's like yeah, a that's, that's the thing. sea. It, yeah, he says it's what is this strange sea, not water, thicker mm. like oil. No, this this chapter is again lacking in the um linguistic quirks that mm. uh, sort of define the Echo series, but it doesn't really jump out at you in this one because yeah. it's all new to Echo 2, so he doesn't have he doesn't have a language for it, he doesn't have pre-existing terminology and words to describe the things he's experiencing, and he can't really talk very well in this anyway because his mind is, as we say again, his mind is so full of the alien language that he can barely form thoughts that are coherent to us. Yeah, he has trouble communicating with his friends, the dolphins, at this stage. He's so full of this language, and they're going like, you you talk funny. How are you going to save us? The simple elegance... The incredible, beautiful elegance of simply making the alien sea red yeah. versus, you know, an entire six parts here and three parts of this one before that where it was just blue because yeah. it's the ocean. So everything's been blue and blue green. And it's just it is the most simplest, beautiful in its simplicity. It's red, the yeah. color of danger. And, 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 and the, I mean, I mean, it's so simple. And, and yet I'm <laughs> overwhelmed with how simple I am a little bit honestly yes he does talk about how he's going to soon see his friends but then nobody knows him when he gets there nobody knows who he is well perhaps he hasn't found maybe they're just other dolphins maybe yes friends. oh and it's looking as if the actual uh, stars are painted on his head in the artwork this time whereas yes. last issue they were clip arted on afterwards I must have forgotten <laughs> but they're definitely painted on this time yes. yes but then yeah he meets this one dolphin and they just they just send out sonar calls into mm. every corner of the ocean other dolphins arrive and then they all disperse and uh, and then they just yeah they just gather up the secret and it's just more you know lovely uh, look at that panel there on page four just all the dolphins together greetings brothers and sisters my friend will explain just look at look, look, look at the it's a completely flat red plane mm. and and yet like there's you can tell that they're within they're suspended within some kind of you know body of liquid the ones further in the back are are more faded or you yeah. know the, the where the highlights hit them their outlines disappear you know yes and, and there are just these a few streaks of light streaks, just coming in from gentle, the top left there. subtle streaks of light yeah you can sort of tell how the red liquid is is thicker than water mm. it's got the viscosity just because of the I mean, maybe it's the way the colours are faded more and you can see less into the background or what, but there's like a real viscosity to it. the liquid, isn't there? Well, it's like Dave says with the light beams, you know, this isn't like those beautiful shots we've seen before of beams of light, like, splitting the ocean wide. You know, this is dimmed light fighting its mm. way down through this thick red alien ocean. Yeah. God, it's good. But then, then all the creatures of the sea are gathered together. We've got humpback whales, killer whales, turtles, narwhals, sharks, beluga whales, eels. Is that seal there as well? And they're oh, just right. They they gather up, and Echo seems to make telepathic communication with the asteroid and says, "We're mm. ready." But I didn't really. I mean, it seemed. Oh yeah, the, it's not in the a thought impli- bubble. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's got his eyes closed, and it's like he's broadcasting yeah. the thought. I thought the idea was that Echo was the one who was supposed to use the use the vortex language he now has to activate the gate. But maybe I don't know. Maybe the asteroid's going to have to tell him how to do it. Mm. Next issue, homeward bound. God, it's nearly over. Yeah. Two parts of Echo left. 
It'd be sad when Echo's gone. Echo's really good. Look at that panel with the teleport gate. That's what, you know, I mean, not really. That was really, and my big takeaway from this yeah. issue is those two lovely, like, rainbow water yeah. tunnel. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's, I, I, it's kind of a shame that uh, it was weighted in the direction that it was, because you have two panels of, like, objectively best possible thing an Echo comic could have been in space with this coloured vortex. And then... <laughs> The whole of the rest of the episode, which granted is just another three pages, but that's the whole of it, is just pictures of dolphins in red. And they're just saying, like, what? On page one, he goes, uh, where are they? And on page two, he goes, there they are. And on <coughs> page three, he goes, let's go home. Oh, well, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, Sam, well, I suppose you came in too late to read the first Echo serial, so do you have any childhood memories uh, of you the know, second I, one, I, A bit like you guys have said before, like I often read the Sonic strip and kind of kind of just pushed through some of the others, mm. uh, but then on return, reading some of these back while listening to you guys, I've rather enjoyed some of the uh, follow-up comics. I had the games, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really ever get into reading Echo, but looking back now, I mean, the art is gorgeous and it's it's really fascinating. And but yeah, as a kid, the the comic never uh, it was just the bit that I leafed through to get to the next part. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true for you too, Dave, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Back then, I think yeah. at the time it was felt too grown up in a way. Or... Because I remember being of the opinion at the time that it was boring, yeah. and I was wrong. I mean, I can definitely see how a kid's mind wouldn't be engaged with it. You know, in the yeah. same way that not every kid enjoyed, we've made the comparison before, like something like The Animals of Farthing Wood. Yeah. But I did enjoy that when I was a kid, and I did enjoy yeah. it. That, that... I loved that show. Did you? Uh... So you were both farthing heads. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so exciting to, uh, you know, the cliffhangers in that yeah. and everything, you know. I never really seen a show or, or read something where the cliffhangers were that... You know, I remember I'd reach uh, I'd, I'd reach like a new episode and be almost shaken to find out what happens next, which... The simple experience of serialization, you know? We'd had a yeah. few things like that when we were kids, like, and I want to point to things like Willy Fogg or yeah. Mysterious Cities oh, of yeah. Gold, you know? Yeah. But these were international things that were, you know, short-run, 26-episode, well, Mysterious Cities is longer than that, but... Um, and, th- and you never really believed they'd be over anyway. Yeah. They seemed to go on forever when you were a kid anyway. But yeah, the fact that Farthing... What is it? Like in the first season of Farthing Wood, they, they make it to the park and you're like, oh, so stories can end and stuff and, and mm. move on to yeah. new things and stuff. I remember yeah, seeing Wood going to White Deer Park and being yeah. like, whoa, they made it? They made it? That's yeah. it's really not, This really just isn't another one of those cartoons where there's one high concept that everything <laughs> plays to and there's no end. And uh, killing off main characters, you know, permanently. Yeah, and, running... The, I mean, I never forget the hedgehogs getting run over in that show oh my goodness come on dear (laughs) well yes now uh, that what you've done there is why i didn't like it it was because all of this serious stuff was happening while everyone was going oh dear (laughs) well that's british cartoon voice acting for you unfortunately i wasn't into that the badger would always do the voiceover the recap at the Mm. start so we say oh last time and all that and uh I remember the badger and fox getting like swept away in in the uh, river and thinking I, either they both died or they were gone. And I remember tuning and being like, "Who's gonna do the recap?" <laughs> yeah. Though mind you, as I recall, Badger Dawes die um, towards the end of the series peacefully in his sleep because he is an old man, as all badgers are. Uh, of course, all badgers are old, wise old <laughs> men who live in the forest and off you too. But he kept doing the narration <laughs> even though he was dead, as I recall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was his force ghost. Yeah, I think once they got to White Deer Park, it kind of lost my attention a little. <laughs> it jumped the park. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking?
happy about this? Pin up. Well, uh, we knew we were getting a vector pin up, and based on the last couple yeah. of issues, we could have very accurately predicted what it was. Yeah, not a lot to say about it. It's the picture of Vector from Chaotix. The control art, the promotional yeah. piece, the model. Looking, now to be fair to it, looking uh, significantly less pixelated than some of the ones we've seen before. Well, perhaps it's because it's vector art. This ain't just no advert. This is like yeah. three of the best things right into one. This We've one. been saying, haven't we said, that Frosties are always bringing the best adverts yeah, the best, to Like the Sonic Spinners, the Gladiators, Poster Packs and all that. And now... Reboot. Little Reboot Mighty Maxes. That's it. It's Frosties, <laughs> it's Reboot, and it's Little Mighty Maxes. Named here as a compact. Free yeah. compact in exchange for eight tokens. I don't think I've ever really known that's what they were called, but I'm prepared to believe that might have been the industry word for them. I guess it, it opens like a lady's... Well, these don't, but, you know, traditionally... <laughs> like a I, lady's what? Like a lady's <laughs> compact. Okay. But I grant you, I did stop mid-sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped to correct myself, and yes, you have flagged up. Yes. In in the way that, you know, Mighty Max is usually opened yeah. on a single hinge, class. Oh, like, like, like a lady's like a Mighty lady's Max. You mean compact. a Polly Pocket? No, like a compact. <laughs> like a makeup compact. Damn it. <laughs> Which is what Polly Pocket was riffing on in the first place. Oh, is that right? But these are small playsets that don't really work that way. Uh, oh, don't they? So I don't... Oh, well, yeah, oh. Look, they don't really. They, they open in all sorts of different ways. They do, They're not just they? the simple single hinge, top and bottom, lay the one section flat along the ground, hold the other section open at 90 degrees type situation. No, you're right there. I don't think of Reboot as being this early. This is the thing. Oh, no, Reboot had been uh, trucking along for a while now, because this is 95. I'll tell you why you don't. It's because you think that Reboot must have come after Toy Story, but it didn't. Yeah, because it was all CG, wasn't it? Oh, I don't think that. No, I remember Reboot long mm. before Toy Story. I was all about Reboot. I'm tempted to go back as far as 93 for Reboot. It was 94 was when 94. Reboot started. Now, we uh. did not get it, I do not think, until 95. Really? So it, was, it, would, it would have been yeah. new and fresh here right now. Yes, the reboot started airing in the UK on January 95, so we are well, about 10 never. months deep on reboot at this point. Which means, according to Wikipedia anyway, we had had about nine episodes of reboot by that point. Doesn't seem like a lot in ten months. No, uh, because it weared from January to March, and then it was off the air again until January of 96. For some reason. That's not a season break. That's not where anything falls in the actual season breakdown. That's just how they aired it in the UK. Because that is how we had to live. We just showed it <laughs> yeah. whatever, whenever just they whenever felt it like was it. on, you watched it. We did Reboot, listeners. Reboot yes, was a... the world's first half-hour CGI cartoon yes. from Mainframe Entertainment up there in Canada. Up in Canada. And it was about... It was sort of Tron, really. Except without people getting zapped into it. It was... Tron, but good. Yeah. Basically, it was these little people who live in your computer and when you play a game because that ladies and gentlemen is what a computer is for yes. Canada got that right when you play a game they see it as a big purple thing coming down on their town which is mainframe their town where they live and then I can't really remember exactly how it is same as with Tron but like <laughs> well the aim was in reboot that the lead character was Bob the guardian yeah. whose job was to defend the city of mainframe against the user, the mysterious unseen person from outside the computer who sent these games in. I come from the net, through systems, peoples, and cities, to this place. 
Mainframe. My format, Guardian. To mend and defend. To defend my newfound friends, their hopes and dreams. To defend them from their enemies. They say the user lives outside the net and inputs games for pleasure. No one knows for sure, but I intend to find out. Reboot! So he and his friends Dot and Enzo Matrix would go into the game along with any other natives of Mainframe who were trapped in wherever the game came down. And then they took up the role of the enemy sprites in the game and it was their job to beat the user because if the user ever won the game, that portion of the city would be nullified and all the natives inside would be reduced to these mindless little slugs called gnolls. Now this, or rather a while ago, is where I got confused because they didn't... When when Bob went into the game, he didn't turn into a Koopa Trooper. No, no. So but, uh, what was going the, on there? Well, the user didn't own any branded games. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, that was the idea. The, the characters would double tap their icons that they wore on their breast. Reboot, and they would reformat into the sprites from the games. Oh, they oh, so they would do that. Well, they wouldn't turn into Koopa Troopers, but they could turn into whatever. I mean, most of the time it just involved a costume change, but mm, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. All right, fair enough. It was a bloody, bloody, bloody good show. It was good. That's the thing, and it well, even though it was the very early days of you know it being viable at all to put CG mm-hmm. animation on screen. In fact. According to Wikipedia, when they started producing it, it wasn't viable yet, and they just pressed on anyway. Like, the earliest seasons look pretty rough. They look rough. Even by the standards of the time, they look rough. There's a big quality jump between the second and third seasons. Remember, it had that Power Rangers movie Zord look. Yeah, they did. Yeah, exactly. Shiny. But, but, it was fine. I don't remember at the time thinking it looked bad at all. Yes, exactly. Because, frankly, what they were representing was computer people and therefore that excused That's any computeriness they had a lot of of what sold it you know i mean yeah. this is the same studio that we're going to do beast wars transformers just a few yes. years later and it has all the same you know dated technological mm-hmm. issues but the thing is the guys at mainframe were really good at what they did mm. so like they were in the actual staging like the storyboarding the staging the action the expression work the body language the acting of the characters all still 100 holds up yeah. to Today. In a way that other CG going around at that time didn't, because mm. the people making it didn't have that cartoon director mindset. There are other things from around that time that you can see, and they generally have this weirdness to them that makes you feel as if they've never seen a cartoon before, the people making them. That was what set Pixar apart as well. The fact yeah. that they could bring classic, I suppose Disney style or Warner Brothers style cartoon presentation to what they were doing even in their earliest shorts was how they and why they got ahead and succeeded and that's what mainframe were doing as well mainframe obviously the the name of the company and the name of the city in reboot they were they were intrinsically linked that way but reboot like it went 
places mm. like it, it was the, the first season was innocent stuff every yeah. episode was a different game so it was like oh what recognizable genre parody are we doing yeah. this episode and that was it but then in the second season they they we were just talking about serialization but they got yeah deep in there with serialization big huge things characters dying aging up from children to adults time jumps and they never aired the whole no. thing in the united kingdom we never got that to was see the greatest rage it just Stopped mid-story arc in season three. I'm mad about it to this day. <laughs> it's kicking chameleon all over again. I remember this must have been 2001 or two or something like that. Or three. Finding out that there were these reboot movies yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah, reading about it. We didn't get to what. I don't know that we've seen it yet. Oh, well, God, get on that. <laughs> get off this. Bu- like, because I'm just looking it up now, but it was like a couple of episodes into season three season three was longer than seasons one and two and broken up into like four smaller arcs even within the body of the show itself Mm. but um looking it up and the last episode aired in april 98 in the united kingdom that was the ninth episode of the 16 episode long third season and they simply never aired any more of it and yes there were then two the fourth season was like two movies and they aired in 2001 uh, three years after the series had actually finished and the thing is when they aired it here in 95 we were um kids reading stc and being 12 or 13 or wherever we were and then when it ended in 98, like, I was doing my A-levels, I was sitting yeah. exams, I was buying my own consoles by that. I was not watching Reboot anymore. And that accounts somewhat for the anecdote that you find on the... It might have been on the Wikipedia or it might have been on a fan site that I saw, where fans did write in to say to CITV, please, can you air the rest of Reboot? And they wrote back saying... Yeah, but you're the only one who still watches it. We've looked at the numbers, no one's watching. It's because uh, yeah. you've let us grow up. In the time it's been on. But that's the funny thing about Reboot is that it really did actually grow up with its audience. The third season is pitched at the next age tier as far as, you know, kids programming is tiered. So there you are. Because of the way that kids TV was shown here, it was part of the CITV after school slot. We thought we were too old to watch that. I mean, I was still watching it, but we thought we were too old to pay attention to when Reboot was on again. And meanwhile, the kids who the slot was actually suitable for... Reboot wasn't for them now, so you can see why they would have been like, should we even have this? Also, let me just break this down here for you. Yeah. So, Series 1 yeah. started in January 95. They right. showed nine episodes of it and then finished in March 95. Mm. They did not then resume airing it until January 96. Mm. So, that's a lifetime when you're a kid. God. You might as well have forgotten about it I was that 14. Point. Well, exactly. nearly. And then from January on through February and March, they aired all of the rest of season one and all of season two, wrapping that up in March 96, and then did not air what they did of season three until July 97. God. Like, like, uh, like 16 months later. Like an, Im- an, an insurmountably. No large yeah. amount of time when you were a kid and then july and august and then a little more in october and then that was it and they just never finished it that for some kids that's two schools ah, yeah it was one for me that doesn't mean i'm not mad about it I had to no. download it years later to eventually find out what happened and and it it whips ass it's a real i mean i mean you probably don't know but but like the fourth season as i say came later three years later mm. and it was gonna be 13 episodes a normal thing link but i don't know they got budget cuts they cut 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 back or whatever and they were only able to make it and the whole thing ends on a cliffhanger oh all all of reboot ever ends oh but the third season is functionally 
the end of the series. Uh-huh. Like, it, you, you watch to the end of the third season, and you get a big, full, proper, here's the big resolution right. of everything we've been doing since we started doing a serialized story halfway through the second season with a big wrap-up. But yeah, it ends on a cliffhanger, and they've never resolved it, and the guys have never even revealed what they were going to do in case they ever get the chance to make it. <laughs> Reboot! Just before we got him in Disney's Hunchback, introduced us to mm. Tony J. Tony, Tony Flipper Dipper J. as Megabyte, the he bad was guy. Everywhere for a hot second in the mid '90s mm. in kids' cartoons. Oh yeah, no, we'd already been introduced to him because he was Virgil in Mighty Max in '93. Well, I don't know when we got that. It's, yeah, but he was everywhere for hot. Like, yeah. As you say, he was Virgil in Mighty Max. He was uh, Megabyte in this, and he would he would do guest roles on other shows. He was on the Mighty Ducks. I remember he was with Extreme mm. Ghostbusters, and he was just. He was on the new Adventures of Superman. He was Lex Luthor's butler. <laughs> and he was just everywhere for a hot second. And it was one of those situations where, as a kid, you didn't you didn't always know as a kid, but he was the guy, you'd be watching cartoons, and you'd be like, that's that one guy. Yeah. You know, you couldn't always tell as a kid whenever a voice actor was the same actor, but he just, I mean, Tony J just had the one voice, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> that's the thing. And you'd hear him, he and you'd great. be like, it's him. That's that's the guy. Who's he, you know? Yeah. So these compacts, anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reboot was good. It was very 90s. It was quintessentially 90s. So Tony the Tiger is holding out the Megabyte one, closed up. It just looks like a toy head, and it's so familiar. I might even oh. have had it. But I'm not sure. I, can't I did it. have a reboot. I'll call it a compact. I was going to say a Mighty Max, but it was one of the uh, actual ones that you could buy in shops. You know, they did yeah. do a line of them that they sold in shops. Because mm. reboot, they did a big marketing push for it. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was true in America so much, but over here, lots of toys and lots stuff. Lots of figures. Abby certainly had some figures. Maybe it was Abby who had this megabyte head, but she certainly had the. Um, what are they? Hack and slash? Are they called the mm-hmm, hack and slash? Yeah, the, the little, little dumb robots. Yeah, the, the scratch and grounder of the. Well, cartoon. one of them was voiced by Gary Chalk. Oh, literally, see, literally, of he was <laughs> Canadian. There was. Uh, I had a book. I had a little paperback book of uh, reboot, and I remember. In fact, that. Do you know what? That's where it solidifies it as being around ninety-five because I was still young enough to entertain the idea of getting a children's book of reboot. But I remember being disappointed in how kiddie-ish and baby-ish it was. Which mm. just tells you that the series felt like it had a little extra spark that perhaps made me think it wasn't. Maybe. We've established that we're only nine episodes into the show and it's now on break for the entire rest of the year. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe those nine episodes were running in repeats. I don't know. No, but uh, we're on to the serial promotions already. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> there are four of these compacts. And as you say, one is Megabyte's head, yeah. which opens out into his throne room. And it looks like it comes with uh, a figure of Megabyte and yeah. a figure of Hack and or Slash. Yeah, the red one. Well, he's yeah, but also his head seems but to his be head grayish does seem blue. To be so, blue, I don't know. It? There's one that's Hexadecimal's head. Um, she was the other villain of the piece, and she was the one... Mm. They came up with a canny way of not having to animate her face, which was that she just had these masks that she would swap between when she wanted to change emotions. So this appears to come with more than one of them, so you can change her expression. Comes with three altogether, and then just a figure of her. And then there's a little figure of her when you open... It sort of fans out the way it opens... What's this one in the middle meant to represent? That's Bob's apartment. Oh, so it is. It says there, Bob's apartment. It says it right there, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit crystal maze on the top there. Yes. <laughs> that one comes with figures of uh, Bob and Mike the TV. Oh, look at that little tiny Mike the TV. 
I want that. I thought you might. Not as much <laughs> as I want the little hack and or slash, though. The fourth and final one is Dot's Diner, which is exactly what it's on. Like, it's Dot's Diner, the meeting place of the show, which opens up and you get figures of Dot and Enzo, and it also says Frisket in the body text, but I don't see the figure there What's anywhere. Frisket again? He was the dog. Of course he was the dog. Yes, no, I don't see a picture of that, but that's everybody then. Especially if Frisket's there, that, that's all your characters, isn't it? Yeah, that's literally yeah, all of them, yeah. Except for Fong, I guess. No, but, yes, you know, Fong. Nobody was crying out for a, for a figurine of the racist old man. <laughs> anyway, uh, you get these by sending eight, eight tokens. That's a lot of tokens. Now, this ad gives you one token. Down there in the bottom right. Yeah, the and question I, is, how well, many do you get per How many box? were on the packs of, of cereal? Yeah, that's but the even question. But even still, the fact that I've established that you basically don't... These are probably exclusive, and if you collect them all, you've got all the characters as little figures. You want them all! But nobody can eat that many Frosties. It doesn't matter how hungry they are. It doesn't matter how much that's they true. like Frosties. Even if you've got two tokens per pack, yeah. that's still four packs you'd have to get through. Yeah. I don't know. When I was a kid, you could make me want almost anything by having it paid for by tokens that you cut out of something. Yeah. I went through a lot of cereal that I didn't even like. I told my mum I liked it because I wanted the tokens for things, you know. It might not be even something that I would be particularly interested in. I remember there was, at one point, you could get free sugar puffs with the tokens. <laughs> from sugar puffs? From the back of Typhoo tea. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, mum, can we get some Typhoo tea? Why don't we just buy some sugar puffs? I don't even like sugar puffs. I just like tokens the concept of collecting tokens for something there was one point where sugar puffs you could get a teddy of the honey monster which was in their advertising mm. by sending off a token and one pound 99 or maybe a lot more i don't know but you basically paid for it and sent one token but because there was a token involved i wanted that thing so badly you've got me wanting some sugar puffs now <laughs> but i've had that feeling for years and i never get any i don't buy any sugar puffs. i don't know why i don't why don't i I've got some uh, insider information about these compacts, guys. Here is a link to the Megabyte one on eBay, and we can find from it that not only was hack and or slash removable, but they came with cardboard stand-ups of characters that you didn't have a little figure of, that you could kind of pop out and stick, apparently, in particular places. And they came with little plastic stands that you could stand them up in. And those little plastic stands, I wonder if they, you know, fitted into the hack and or slash place in the head. That's an interesting way of getting around the limit of how many characters. Yeah, you get little figures of everybody, yeah. I can't find any pictures of the tokens, though. I don't know where the tokens are on the box. I can find scans of the front uh, and back of the box, but no pictures of where the tokens actually were. Because uh, it also mentions here, look out for great reboot metallic cutout cards on special edition 750 gram and 1 kilogram packs of Frosties. And yeah, that was the front of the box. It literally had a, a metallic sticker stuck to it. So then you cut yeah. around that. Once you were finished eating the cereal, one would hope, your mum would certainly hope. And you got, uh, yeah, you got a little, it was like a little trading card. And you, it looks like there were ones of Bob, Dot, Enzo and Frisket, and Megabyte and Hexadecimal. Oh, hold on, let's. What have you got? One kilogram packs had four tokens on them. Oh, so you only need oh, two of them. Oh, that's suddenly become much more obtainable now. It is, although, again, remember, you still need... Two boxes of that to get one. Yeah. One. Well, yeah, but I mean, but now, these. but now we know that it's not quite as a, much of a burning need to own all of them, since you get little cardboard pop-out figures with each one, which is no substitute. Poppycock. Yeah, I need the little <laughs> plastic figures. Still, you could have a full and, and rich adventure with only one. You think back to uh, you know in your childhood where sort of cereal boxes were a form of currency oh, God, in yeah. a way. <laughs> like cigarettes in prison. A form of currency, <laughs> a form of entertainment. 
You didn't yep. watch the television, you know, you know, that's what you read <laughs> no, you over your, while you were eating your cereal. You didn't watch the television, you stared at a box. Dad read the paper at the breakfast table, <laughs> you read the back of the box of cereal. That's how. What is your best ever box of cereal? People don't have that, Dave, go on. I've got one, alright, well I'll tell you what it was, and it's a slight cheat, because for a while Frosties was giving away boxes that had full-blown holograms on the front of them. A proper hologram mine, not just a flicker sticker, mm. not a foil sticker with shiny things on. No, a three-dimensional hologram of three-dimensional figures of Tony the Tiger they'd made and photographed correctly for holograms. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know where they are now, but we'll still have a couple of them lying around. I just remember the degrading so they were really hard to see so they probably don't oh, work I thought you now, meant but... the figures like in what warehouse the figures that they had sculpted were where are those <laughs> oh yeah. I never even thought of that the, uh, the best thing for uh, tokens cutting out tokens was monster munch because you could get all stuff for your bike ooh spooky dokies yeah and I, I eventually I saved up and got the th- what do they call it it looked like a little head and you put it on the actual handlebars and it would make noises ooh that sounds that sounds familiar I remember that yeah it was a green one that was on I, I guess it was the old pickled onion mascot I don't know but it was a green monster which doesn't resemble any of the ones mm. they, that they brought back mm. you know because they changed them all and then they brought the old designs back and uh but there was a green one, and yeah, I had the, the this like a, it was its head, and it, it would light up, the eyes would light up, and it would make sound and stuff, and that was uh, took ages to save up tokens for that. But you know, you you just transform your whole bike into this like Monster Munch themed bike. I remember Spooky Dokies <laughs> with Monster Munch in particular. Yeah. I think maybe you got one in a pack, didn't you? They would come in a little maybe in a sealed bag, and Monster Munch. And I think reflectors were kind of in vogue for a while too, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. I've still got. I think I've got some of the Tiger reflectors and. General Kellogg's wisdom. Dave, you don't own a bike. No, but I did. (laughs) Knuckles Tales. The Revenge of Trog, part five, written and drawn by Nigel Kitching with letters by Elita Fell. The Dark One transforms the Enchanter Kings into creatures like Trog, but doing so takes all his power, allowing Knuckles, Tails, and Moraine to make their escape while he's preoccupied. They take with them the orb Trog used to summon the Dark One and hurl it into the void of interdimensional space beneath the Dimension Bridge, where it ceases to exist, banishing the Dark One and returning the Kings to normal, leaving only an enraged Trog for our heroes to deal with. What is the point of Moraine again? It's not the thing I should feel like I should really be my big takeaway from this one, but it's just the thing that's dominated in my memory, which is that we felt we had observed the narrative purpose of this character, being that she's there so that they have to keep the illusion up, keep the gag up of Tails being the hero. But, um, no, she's she's just there. and And they don't do any jokes about Tails having to be the hero and Knuckles having to play along with it. It's kind of like last issue again, where all the focus is really on Trog and the Dark One and what he's doing to the Enchanter Kings. And our heroes are just kind of in the background trying to get away. They failed last issue and they succeed this issue. Yeah, this is about the fact that this seance ritual thing is happening mm. and how to stop it. Yes, you've a point there. She doesn't do... She doesn't do anything in this issue. I suppose that then we should take as evidence that she's going to do something important next issue, and that's why she's here. Well, yeah, we'll have the final analysis of the character whenever the serial is over, but given that next issue looks like to be sort of all over bar the crying. But being that Tails and Knuckles have come from elsewhere, it can be good to have a character alongside that knows about the unusual place that they're in. Yeah, if that mattered to the plot, 
that would absolutely be true, but it doesn't. But also, she's just cool, and it's good to have cool characters. I think that could be a part of it, you know? I, th- I, I, I wonder if, like, yeah. The problem is with both of those things that, yes, yes, she does serve the role of being the local knowledge person, and she does serve the role that she's really cool, but not in this one. No, she hasn't expressed her... The, the only time she's had any function or purpose or been in cool in any way was her introductory one, was that part three where she helped them fight the armies and everything and they had to keep up the ruse and she started to notice that Knuckles was tougher than Tails and everything and uh, mm-hmm. and she's just sort of... None of them have done anything since then. Yeah. It's all been about Trog's show. There's also been a weirdly high number of Speedlines letters asking for a female Tails. They do oh, like their female yeah, Fox. But, uh, I do like the uh, transformed Enchanter Kings. They look horrible, don't they? Big, yeah, novel, they look great. Beasties. Yeah. No, they haven't just been turned into trogs no, in the way that like, Errol was turned into a trog. They're yeah. all the same colours and everything. They're the well, same I see them as being were... on their way to trogness. Like, by yes. the time they got back to the Nameless Zone, they'd be trogs, maybe. But they're sort of fox trogs, aren't they? They're... And they've got their clothes are all in tatters, and they've got little beaky yeah, beefy arm. Yeah. You see, I didn't Whoa. even have to say panel page. I was like, look at that beefy arm. And you were like, that's yep, that's an arm. Double barrel arm. That, that is. arm's got a butt on it. Triceps. <laughs> <laughs> These kind of characters as well. Nigel Kitching is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These like goblin type uh, faces and everything but yeah so uh, you know while he's transforming the enchanter kings into these horrible things our heroes get away it's all knuckles knuckles is the one who decides to steal the orb uh hands it over to tails for some reason i don't know why he gives it to tails to carry it i don't know maybe he doesn't feel like he could carry it in his big mittens and his oven gloves <laughs> and then he's the one who gives tails the instruction to huck it over the bridge whenever the dark one and trog catch up to him so it's all knuckles knuckles saves today essentially but tails is the one who gets to throw it so i yes. imagine if this issue comes up next time that's how we'll circumvent that it was all knuckles really nonsense mighty one i saw you throw the orb you know, something like yeah. that I do like that concept of there being this bridge over nothing. Mm, yeah. That's really cool. I love the panel of where the Dark One is like sucked away. Mm. Like the, the orb vanishes into the nothingness and he goes like, he goes, he does a proper Aye! as he gets yeah. sucked down after it. You know, his body spaghettifies and ribbons away into the distance. But <laughs> there's also a sort of flushing down the toilet sense <laughs> as well. It's yeah. such a cool design, the Dark One. Yeah. I love how Nigel Kitching draws Knuckles. Oh, so good. It's yeah. Got the, like a squishiness like you guys mentioned he's got a squishiness mm. to it but it works so well with that character and there's one picture on the second page at the mm. bottom where he's completely foregone the whole pipe cleaner legs design and just get, he oh, yeah. like he's in a big knuckles onesie he <laughs> does it in big knuckles pajamas <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it works it's great it's just he knows what to do with shapes mm-hmm. that old line Dave always uses oh, yeah. he knows what well, to do with the ships I suppose I probably true. got it from listening to you say <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> but it's true damn it and the Enchanter Kings turn back to normal right away but Trog mm. has not and he's doing a big oh, the Nigel Kitchen yeast panel to, to end the one on which yes. is his big screaming head and his big fist going <laughs> oh I will destroy you all next to the final revenge of Trog Oh, it's still good, this serial. I do enjoy it, it, and I really do love the way Kitching draws the Sonic characters, but it's just one this one where I couldn't help but notice that the heroes are now, like, sort of two for two on being the background act to the villain. Um, And they, sure, I mean, they get to save the day in the end, but they only get away because the villain's using all his power to do the transformation. They only luck into the, I mean, well, 
I suppose all of Tails' victories are always just down to luck in the end, aren't they? In these stories? I guess so, yeah. And that yeah, and that is the joke of these strips. So like to a certain extent, if we can't get on board with that, we're always well, gonna have to do it. Well it's not a joke criticism. in this one though. This is a pretty standard adventure, you know, storyline trope where the villain uses, you know, focuses all their attention on something else and the hero is able to slip away thanks to that, you know. Yeah. It's one of the more active hand things that they actually do something here to beat the villain. They steal the orb, even if it's Knuckles' idea, they steal the orb and they chuck it in the nothing, as compared to Tails accidentally closing a door on Nuts on Bolt, or um, accidentally making Nuts on Bolt so angry his head melts off his ice body, or 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 accidentally cutting the rope bridge so that it falls say, and yeah, then he can fly. Yeah. At least this one, they did it on purpose. You know, so that's what that's what we can give this cereal above all the others. This one, they won on purpose. <laughs> and a zone. and a zone. The Q and a zone. Mm, is that the first time it's done this, or if we just not? I think it? so. Yeah. Nice. So Ross Gavin is looking for tips on Echo Two for the Mega Drive. So Dave Gibbon gives him thirty passwords. Hey, fair enough. Lemonek. Yeah, that was a long game. Thomas Smith is having a grumble about how the Q-Zone is always just showing cheats for the Mega Drive, but he's a Master System owner and wants more tips for those games. I can relate. Poor kid problems. But we do get this good line. But now that that's out of my system... Is that your Master System? STC? Ed or Megadroid or something. Megadroid! They got, they, just, they got that wrong, oh, but... as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, it was a good comment. Please tell me how to reach the secret level in Alex Kid in Miracle World. And Gibbon gives him the cheats, but um, have you noticed the deliberate mistake on this page? The fact that these screenshots are not from Alex Kid in Miracle World. Correct! These screenshots I took to Google to figure out, because oh. I was so... I knew it wasn't... These screenshots are yeah. for Psychic World... On the Game Gear. Oh, not even Alex... Not Alex Ooh. Kidd in Psychic World. These are from a game called Psychic Wars on the Game Gear. Doing well, what? guys. What? Doing well. That, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I presume They're it's not... the use of world. What? Half of <laughs> games have the word world in them. Well, they must have had it. You know, world, comma, Alex Kidd in Miracle. And this was world, comma, Psycho. And uh... Imagine if they'd accidentally printed Mario World screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's also a level select cheat for Lion King on the Master System just to placate Thomas Smith and give him another Master System code just for the sake of including one. That was the big yeah. takeaway, though. Completely the wrong game. Huge yeah. big screenshots, too, of completely uh, the wrong yeah. game. I have a criticism of this Lion King's thing as well. It says, yeah, it's a bad to one. gain a level select, wait until you see the Disney Virgin Interactive Entertainment logo, then rotate the D-pad. A bleep will say, doesn't tell you which way to rotate the no. D-pad. And that's going to matter. And where to start rotate the d-pad what even is that that's nothing tell me to press up down left right whatever you know, ah but... well but but wasn't the master system d-pad wasn't it a bit more of a radial thing it was a square yeah it wasn't mm, like a d-pad still. it was it looked like a, a hub from an oven so it was kind of an oblong but with like little nubs for each uh and the directions it's quite hard to figure it out but i guess you know nintendo had a bit of a thing going on with the cross-shaped d-pad so yeah mm. didn't even have a start button on the thing you had to press the start button on the actual console to, oh, the goodness. pause button on the console to pause your oh, game. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. There's no, start, there's no pause button on the actual controller, just A, B, up, down, left, right. Hmm. Sonic's World. Cybernic Strikes Back, Part 1, written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by John Burns, and letters by Ella Fell. 
Short Fuse the Cybernic rescues engineering genius Techno the Canary from a Badnik prison transport and requests her aid in building a bomb he needs to destroy Robotnik's factory in the chemical plant zone. But Robotnik is already plotting against him and sends Metamorphia the shapeshifter to take Short Fuse out once and for all. Wait, I didn't remember I mean, that bit. No. I mean, come, I mean, talk about an I mean, Brutus. Short fuse, yeah, exactly. techno, metamorphia, it's literally all of Lou Stringer's greatest hits in yes. one issue. I had a quick look yeah. through this comic beforehand and I was just like, wait, I'm going to be in this one? Yeah. And this is a great <laughs> no, issue. Right. Yeah, you got lucky. Yeah. It's the Lou Stringer universe thing going on. And I wasn't paying enough attention because techno does appear on the first page. Yep, there she is. I didn't notice. So on the second, oh, sorry, on the third page, when you get this close-up, of techno. Unfortunately, my first thought was, oh, wow, Carl Flint is doing really well at drawing this issue. Like, all of his stuff with the robots is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Not so good at close-ups of Sonic-type characters. That one looks a bit ugly. And then I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not her, is it? And it is. <laughs> it's techno. But yes, all of the, the art surrounding it I'm very pleased with. But I now realise that I was so not paying attention to the art on the first page that not only did I not notice techno... I also didn't notice the crossed out. I was gonna ask heads. if you noticed them. Yeah, <laughs> on the gut. So the first panel opens on some troopers, and basically just it's to fill space and allow the the title to appear and all this. Mm. Carl's drawn a, a close up of a trooper pointing a gun up near his head, up into the air, and it's got three, what I take to be freedom fighter heads on yeah, it. Little animal heads on there, like crossed out as, as if as kills. <laughs> As if to suggest that those are the people he's killed. Alarmingly, they appear to be Tails and Bob Beak. <laughs> a bird the first one. and a fox. <laughs> I yes. almost want to imagine that Carl Flint drew the heads on there. We go, ah, actually, I changed my mind and crossed them out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the, presumably the only implication I can possibly take from that is that this trooper has killed at least three Mobians. It's a very bizarre gun as well. It looks like a flamethrower with a pump action from a shotgun <laughs> and something else going on and he's got a stock on the back of it as if these robots are going to get recoil into their shoulders it's wow. the kind of gun someone who doesn't really know about guns might draw yes yeah because <laughs> yeah, you just see recognizable gun bits and it's like yeah those little vents that's a flamethrower thing but you just draw right. those yeah. on there it doesn't matter it's just a way to make a gun look hard yeah that's uh, one of the best things about that uh, dreadful Shadow the Hedgehog game is in the very, very beginning in the intro, Shadow sort of stands over a wounded Sonic, brings up a MP5 machine gun and pumps it like a shotgun. <laughs> oh, is that why and people it's... make fun of that? I thought they were just making fun yes. of literally the fact that a Sonic the Hedgehog's got a gun. You couldn't tell just from looking at it that it visibly didn't have like a thing yeah. to pump? I don't know what pumps. His hand just slides on the gun as if really? there's a... Slides oh, up the shaft, God. yes. <laughs> You know, I really do like how Flint <laughs> draws techno. I realized as I was mm. looking at this that although there are many artists who will draw her later, yeah. I think in my mind's eye, it's the way Flint drew her that I still sort of imagine her. Right. I mean, he, he's always been quite good at getting the uh, classical creature Sonic Animal Friend proportions yes. in there. You know, big heads on bodies that are three heads tall. You know, the classic mm. Sonic proportions. And um, I just always liked her, her side cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the side cut I like, and, and I it's think... a bit before its time almost. You isn't know, it? Techno would be an 
icon on the yeah. internet if she was created today for <laughs> yeah. ADW's yeah. comics. Yeah, it's it's an edgy haircut that Techno's got here, and I've got a lot of time for it. And ov- obviously she'll go on to have many great adventures with Amy in years to come. To the extent that it's very easy to ship those characters, and in, yeah. in, in I think STC Online has, you know, presented them as getting together later All in right. their lives. So, I mean, what we've, you know, we've, we've got here a lesbian in STEM with a side cut, you know? She yep. would be an internet sensation yep. if she was created today. She looks a lot different to how I remember her. Uh, obviously, this is the first appearance of her, and her design yep. would uh, go through iterations. But uh, yeah, I, I always loved that character. And uh, interesting, she's in like prison scrubs mm. here for being a prisoner. That's the other thing that makes her harder to recognise is that yeah, oh, she's yes. in yeah. Black Arrow's gear. I think she gets her classic duds on next issue. I think of her in that sweater and the pleated skirt. Yeah. What does Techno the Canary normally look like? Because I need to I need to compare. Dennis the Menace Jumper, blue skirt. And the hair is generally she always keeps the hair over one eye but it looks like in future drawings of her they tend to give her like roughly equal length hair on the other side whereas here She's got such a tiny little bit of hair on the other side that it's kind of, um, well, it, very modern. It's what you would yes, like see a, now. Yeah, She had big old hoop earrings as well. Uh-huh. She yes. did, yes, that's right. Yeah, which she hasn't got yet because her hair shows she hasn't got ears. They probably took those off because she's in prison, you know. I mean, yeah, so that's the, otherwise the story is just, you know, Shortview shows up and blows up some robots and some, you know, cool, cool, boom, bam, Bits, you know, he guns a few down. One of them leaps at him and activates its own self-destruct program. He's probably going to come in and kamikaze it, but Cybernex survives because he's made of good, tough stuff. There's a bit here I love when Shorty is explaining his backstory to Techno, and it's showing this like flashback of him being forced by Badnik hands into the bits of the suit which are held up on cables or something, and he looks absolutely horrified. He's got this like Cybermen kind mm. of horrific feel to you it. You will become it. like us. Yeah, it's Very it's really cool. it's not trying to avoid being harrowing. You know, like Carl Flint doesn't really draw harrowing. No, but but he but, does. Yeah. He's showing that he can draw cool. Like that panel of short views, like landing among all the fire on mm. page three. That's wicked. I mean, yeah, it's a testament mm. to uh, Corona's design for. Sh- assuming Corona did design short views, I mm-hmm. suppose we don't know that for sure. He drew the first mm. story he appeared in, but assuming mm. it's a testament to the strength and simplicity of that design in that. She surely doesn't even look any different here. You wouldn't even really register a different artist was drawing him in this strip. He really, all of Flint's strengths seem to be so much so, in fact, as I look at it, that I'm sitting here wondering, did Carl Flint maybe design the Cybernick and Corona just draw the strip? Because, I mean, look at him. like. There's every chance that Lou Stringer designed. Oh, yeah, of course. Because I'm sure I've seen, and I'm now I'm realising I should have got it ready for this, but I can't find it anywhere. I'm sure I've got, lying around, his original design for Brutus. So I think Lou uh-huh. designed Brutus, and wouldn't surprise me if therefore he also designed Short Fuse and sent it in along with the script. I'd be almost certain that you're right about that, now that you've, yeah. now that you've said it, it makes so much sense. Well, then Corona and Flint... It's a testament to the strength of the original design that Corona and Flint are both able to take it, if it is indeed a Stringer original design, and translate it to the page so perfectly that it Mm. looks like 
that the same artist drew it both times somehow, mm. even though the, even though everything else that's happening around it is visibly in completely two different artists' styles. I'm not sure yeah. if it's yeah. intentional, mm. but it does actually. The design does have a couple of elements of classic badniks in it, like yeah. the, um, the the big red V shape. There were those. Uh, what are they? The, the rolling sphere guys. Yeah, yeah the rollers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because we've been attributing it to what? Gundam. And presumably that is where they got it from for the Badnik. But uh, yes, I suppose we won't know which of those two things the STC people were looking at. Is it just me or does Short Fuse get a lot bigger, like as in his body proportions? Like his torso seems very, very big. He's looking a bit more Robocop and... than Squirrel now, isn't he? Hmm. Well, he's always drawn in the foreground from Techno, so we never get a comparative size yeah. of the two standing next to one another apart from that bit where they shake hands so it's kind of hard to get a, a full read on how big he is but yeah he's definitely he's not three heads tall yeah yeah the proportions thing i remember getting really into short views when he first showed up and then getting the knuckles knockout special and just seeing this absolute giant this absolute unit of a of a robot and be like oh he's changed <laughs> I think they even gave him like coloured waspy tape colours on his shoulder That's this cereal, yes. They sure uh, gets a bit of a makeover this cereal. Oh, with does he? Yes. Oh, I'm looking for. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I do like this uh, this beat with Robotnik and Grimer here at the end because anyway, this goes back to what we were saying about Robotnik back at the very start about how he can have these moments of comedy. So he's hearing that the Cybernik has freed all these prisoners. I'll have to use my great mind to think of a way to dispose of short fuse permanently. Well, Grimer, I'm waiting. Oh, ah, yes, Master, you were about to have a brilliant idea. You were about to mention the artificial life form I invented, the shapeshifter. Ah, of course. <laughs> I love that. Where he's like, he just Fantastic. expects Grimer to come on. Come on, where's my brilliant idea? <laughs> and we get that uh, call back here as well, Metamorphia. She's just hanging around, I guess. Yeah, there she <laughs> is. in the door. <laughs> She's been waiting for her cue. Yeah. Grimer probably sat her up early. Come on up, love. Um, I'm gonna, getting ready to tee him up for you. <laughs> and she says, uh, you know how I value your praise. Mm. We'll see. Remember that? Mm, Remember how Metamorphia yes, loves Dr. Right. Robotnik? We absolutely do. Oh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm realising now, apart from remembering Techno was... It's the same old song that I'm singing over and over again now at this point in the comics history. A new Techno was in this. A new Cybernet gets his stripy shoulder pads. <laughs> I didn't remember Metamorphia was in it. And I don't remember what happens when they fight. I don't want to see them fight. I want to bang the action figures yes. together. Let's go. <laughs> Next issue, Confrontation. Ooh, ooh it's a ooh, ooh, it's a big run of loose stringer quality. Yes. Yeah, this is a great issue for Lou. Mm, yeah, Lou's done some sterling work Couldn't here. Brutus, Techno, Short Fuse, and Metamorphia all uh, in the covers of one comic. And, and two of them in their original appearance. And not even on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just happened, you know? Hey, we don't know what the machinations of Lou Stringer are. Well, this he, is true. He may have had a master plan. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get two characters in one comic. He has so many characters. He almost It's almost like he could have... Ken Penders them into his own universe. Careful now. <laughs> <laughs> Adam El Mahdi from Watford has sent a poem, Poetic Justice, the title says, and it's a Sonic, a hedgehog with a super spin attack. Sparkster, a possum with a rocket pack. Knuckles, an echidna with a mighty punch. Robotnik, a mad scientist who's out to lunch. Tails, a fox who can really fly. Charmy, a bee who belongs in the sky. Amy, Sonic's secret date. STC, uh, the coolest read. Oh, and Megadroid's great. No, I know. I take issue with your reading of it because it doesn't say the coolest read. 
what it says. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry you didn't pick that again. Yes. The, uh, yeah, I actually do that line again. So, Amy, Sonic Secret Date, STC, the coolest ring. Thank you. Oh, and Megadroid's great. Thank you. Good. good pronunciation. There have been worse poems sent into STC in the past. And Megadroid replies, with your talent, you'll go far, a super duper rhyming star. So we've got a bit of a rap battle going on there. A little bit of a rap battle. And, and Megadroid's won, as far as I'm concerned. I think you did a sterling job of being able to read a poem without really making it clear that it has no meter. No meter at all. It, no, it, no. It, at least Megadroid has matched the AA rhyme scheme, <laughs> which we have seen him fail to do when responding to poems in the past. Matched and battered. Is that kid reacting to STC saying Kuel and thinking it's an STC thing? Or is that kid doing what we did and just knowing it's a thing that we all said back then? I remember it being mm. a thing. I had a friend that yeah. then went from Kuel to Kuality. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah. No, sure. Um, if we'd passed the point where they were getting letters off the back of that issue, we'd be into emails by now. <laughs> uh, in a letter titled Robot Nicked, Louise Barber from Chelmsford says, Dear Megadroid, help! I've been kidnapped by Dr. Robotnik and he'll only release me if I give him a sonic stationary set. If not, he's threatened to turn me into a badnik! Nice try. And Megadroid replies, Hmm... <laughs> It's amazing what some folk will resort to, Louise. It worked. She got it. Yes. Well, they didn't have GoFundMe yet then. (laughs) And the last one is Speak Your Mind, Dear Megadroid. In my opinion, the Sonic's World story, Cam and Bert, really sucks. And that's not all. Echo the Dolphin stinks. From Richard Harris, Leicestershire, Sonic stationary winner. And Megadroid replies, that's a shame, Richard. I always enjoyed watching your films. Yeah. Hey. Like the actor, Richard Harris. Like yeah. Richard Harris. I could house all these people inside me shoe, and I still would find room for me sock. Divisive opinions there shared, for we agree with one of them and yeah. not with t'other. But I agreed with both at the yeah. time, that's the thing. <laughs> this letter appears in my diary. Oh. <laughs> Let's find it. Where is it? Here we go. Thursday the 19th of October 1995, 9.47pm. And then I just reproduced the letter and Megadroid's reply. And I put, Mm -hmm. that's a letter printed in issue 63 of Sonic the Comic, which I picked up today, coming home from Pocahontas. Five days late? Why did I bother writing it? Well, if you look at it, you'll see that it was written by Richard Harris. As in Rick Harris. As in Rick with a silent P, just joshing. (laughs) Rick, now rich, I understand was just one of my best friends. I've got loads of tapes of us doing silly little comedies we wrote together, things like that. Does anybody else want to try? This woman says, yeah, but just don't hit me as hard as you hit the vulture. Tremendously excited. That was us in STC. Immortalized. We'd cracked in. We'd made it. We'd broken into STC. Riding on his coattails, living vicariously through his letter. Got a couple of pictures here. Uh, One from Boomer Lewis, who I'm assuming is a chap named Lewis who didn't include a surname, so they've called him Boomer Lewis. Not uh, that his first name is Boomer. Oh, it could be. (laughs) I was going to say, that is quite... No wonder he reads STC if he's called Boomer Lewis. Both (laughs) of those being STC names. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about the Lewis, yeah. He's from Salton in Chester, and uh, he's copied the Casanova's drawn panel of Sonic being slapped out of the air by Predicto. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. I was like, this looks so familiar. But without drawing the, or at least it's mm. been cropped off, if so, the actual slap. So it's just Sonic, I don't know, like 
having a big dizzy. Dazed and confused. Yeah. As in Gem and the Holograms doing a little sparkly dance. <laughs> yeah. Flashy Hedgehog is the caption they've given. It's a very yeah. well copied image, but it is abundantly not even copied, but traced. And then the other picture is, this time it's Short Fuse as a girl. No, it's not. It's a Metalax Short Fuse. Oh, is it? Oh, I beg he's pardon. He's got Knuckles, he's got Sonic's... Yeah, yeah, it's got it's Sonic shoes, Amy's skirt, oh, Knuckles' that's body, Amy's tails, clothes. tails, and then, uh, and then Short Fuse's head on top oh. of it. And uh, Grimer's mum's outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the thing! It does look like... Short views in a purple cardigan and pink skirt. That's how I read it. But yeah, I was so distracted by that that I didn't notice the knuckles. <laughs> I did notice Tails is Tails, but I just thought like, yeah, that's just Short Fuse's tail and they've just drawn a line through it because it, you know, because it had in whatever mm. picture they copied. But yeah, no, it it's, is a, it's a composite cybernetic. Kind of looks like they've drawn Tails is Tails coming out of the back and then gone, oops, and then quickly added a little bit on the butt to make sure that oh, the Oh, yeah, that is what they've done. Are coming from That's there. exactly, <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah, it's looping and swirling yeah. back round to there. Yeah. <laughs> going, oops. Yeah. Is this the first drawing of short fuse we've had? Ooh. Even if it is only just his head. Ooh. Because it occurs to me we didn't point it out, but I'm pretty sure, mum or not, that that's the first drawing of Grimer we've had. Yes, I think it is. STC Original Supremacy. Something tells me there's been a short fuse before, but I can't swear to it. I can't think of anything, but maybe. Maybe the only reason I think that is that this one is so competently drawn. Mm. It's a good short fuse head. It seems short fuse's design just lends itself well to other artists, to cartooning, to big, broad drawings. Which Mm. makes it a good design. You can write to Speedlines. It is stctpodcast at gmail.com and occasionally, very occasionally, we'll have time to read one out. Next issue, Halloween Happenings with your free Sonic mask. There it is again. Yeah, and some good, by the way, some good vectory Halloween-y shapes and stuff in the background of this one. Mm. Designer Gary Knight's really having a good time with this. Tree branches and spooky eyes and lightning and bats and pumpkins and that. Sonic! Tricks. Cybernick. Treats. Echo the Dolphin. Traps. Knuckles and Teals. Trogs. Plus Grizzly Graphic Zone. Bat Brain Badnik Pinup. That's SDC 64. Ghoulishly good. On sale Saturday, the 20th of October, 95. Yeah. And just before we close out that eternal question that nobody has ever yet given a positive answer to, to my recollection, Sam, did you ever send in a data strip? <laughs> Uh, no. No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure somebody's keeping a spreadsheet and can correct me if any guest has ever said that, yes, they did cut up the comic. One person has told us. I am now thinking one person said yes, but I can't can't remember remember who it was. was. I'm sure I took out pinups and things like that. I I think I've still got a few separate pinups. I was kind of on the same wavelength as Tom Campbell when he was on here, when it was like, I actually kind of Mm -hmm. believe, you know, read it, use the comic rather than preserve it. But um, You're a sick man, but I'll allow it. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure there were things that I cut out and oh. made into collages, all kinds of stuff like that. Because uh, I don't know, I, I didn't hold on to things. I suppose when you qu- when you grow up kind of poor, you get used to selling everything when you're done with it anyway right. to be able to get anything new. So mm. it was kind of comics were kind of fleeting, I suppose. But no, I never sent in a data strip because it's like, <laughs> who cares? You know, it's like, what do you think of the comic? I don't know. I'll keep buying it. Ask my news agent. Um, yeah, you get my money. What else do you want? <laughs> Right, that brings us to the end of another episode, Sam. 
What do you think of that, then? Oh, loads of fun. It's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, it's one of my favourite podcasts to listen to these days, so I'm just really glad to be here. And what a great issue as well. Yeah, you got a good one, didn't you? It wasn't on purpose or anything. You know, we picked this one because it's right in the middle of the month when we, you wanted to come yeah, on. it was just when, when, when Sam was available. Into a really good one. <laughs> when my game comes out, yeah. Please play Spectacular Sparky when it comes out. Right, this is where we plug your Yes, do the full and proper bit. Where can no, they no, get no it? No bullshit, no false modesty. Tell us all about it. Well, coming soon, October the 20th on Nintendo Switch and PC. Look for Spectacular Sparky. I think you can pre-order it already. Can you? I don't know. But either way, the game comes out in just a couple of days after this episode does. Everybody go and check if Spectacular Sparky is actually out to buy now. And if it isn't, put it on your wish list, because that helps Sam in ways that are nebulous and to do with algorithms or something. Yeah, it's heavily Sega Mega Drive inspired. we got voice acting. we got people like Sean Barrett, who we've gushed about many times. Okay, wait, wait, okay, but pause there. I have to say this. This is my podcast, so I'm going to say this. I'm in a thing with flipping Gorwin off through the dragon's eye. You were showing off, weren't you, Boris? You haven't time. <laughs> that is a lifetime yes. highlight for me. Yeah, Mensky and I were <laughs> gushing about this voice actor, and we just said, if I ever do voice in a game, we should find him. I did a voice in a game, so we went on a trek and found Sean Barrett of, uh, you know, boring voice man from Father Ted of uh, Dominion Tank Police, Gorwin the Dragon from... TikTok. TikTok from uh, Return to Oz, all kinds of things like that. He's amazing. I didn't know that the guy who was the boring voice on Father Ted was TikTok <laughs> um, from Return yeah, to was. Oz. I have a very boring voice. That's really good guy. Yes, if you look up Sean Barrett, your entire childhood will just unravel in front of you in so many things he was in. He was, he's incredible. So we got him in. What's the matter, West Puckett? You never seen a man take 15 hellfire rounds to the pelvis and then beat the enemy to death with his own severed legs? We got Aaron from Game Grumps to do a voice. We've got Takahata from Team Four Star. Whole bunch of incredible voice actors. Sorry if I've forgotten any of the really important <laughs> ones, but got little nods to this show in there. Loads of SDC references, look out for the Megadroid signature and some graffiti <laughs> in the city, all kinds of stuff like that. We, without realizing it, I, I had the phrase, um, count them in there. <laughs> I remember sending that to you. I was listening to your podcast and not long after I'd recorded the line. We've got the two, count them two. So I've tried to get lots of little references in since there's this weird yeah. connection between my childhood and a lot of this, this show. And I really wanted to come and promote it on here because I think this is yeah. where it will find the people that will get all of the references. This is where it'll find its exact right Yeah, audience. if you are a listener to and enjoyer of this podcast, you're going to like this game. It's going to be your cup of tea. So go and have a look. Get that. Spectacular Sparky, 20th of October. Get it pre-ordered because you can already do that both on Switch and on uh, Steam, wherever you like your games. And yeah, look for that that uh, key art that you see on Steam and yes. on Switch. That was Richard Elson, specifically because I love this comic and been so inspired by it. All right. And please follow me at Freakzone Games on Twitter and on other things. It's going to be just a bunch of nerdy references. Other than that, just updates on my games. Love to have you. And uh, after you've done that, if you want to follow this podcast, you'll be able to do that at Sonic Podcast. And Dave and I are on there individually as well. I am at Chris McFeely. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. You can download the podcast from every two weeks, stctp.wigglehe.com or in your podcatchers. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash stctp where you'll get extra content as we look at the Martin Adams novels and Dave's 
achievement of a fan fiction, <laughs> The End of Mobius. And the proceeds from that allow us to pay for an editor. SamGabrielVO.com is where you'll find Sam. He engaged in a Herculean effort to get this four-hour raw podcast recording down to something manageable. He managed to shave an hour off. I managed to shave another hour off. Almost all made out of little ums and ers and hiccups and burps and squeaks and whinnies. Without him, this episode would have been late. There's simply no two ways about it. So go and support us at patreon.com forward slash stctp so that you don't have to wait for any other such episodes. And no doubt before long, you'll find a few of the deleted bits of this episode there too. Our theme song was synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band whose work you can find at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com but we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast and we will see you next time! time. And by the way, David has tossed up this show more than once <laughs> in the proceedings